hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is a guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back runner. He's not Dan Grafton. He's just fought. Still Grafton. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grafton. This is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vanderbush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Victor. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left hand. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 42 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and, of course, the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. Today is the first interview since I was, uh, you know, out with the COVID and then moving and everything, so I apologize if I'm a little bit rusty, but I do have a great guest for you tonight, and that is one Mr. Frank Littlejohn. I had a lot of fun doing this interview, and we went on for, I think, almost two hours and uh, said afterwards, it's funny how fast these interviews go, and uh, he's like, holy shit, didn't think we talked that long, but yeah, sure enough, it's it's how these interviews go a lot of the time. Once you get going and the stories get rolling, uh, teammates are brought up, fights are brought up, and next thing you know, you look down and you've been blamoring on like a couple schoolgirls for the next five hours, and believe me, I've almost done a five-hour podcast. That's a shout-out to Pat Barton there. <laughs> um but no, I had a lot of fun talking with Frank, and um, you know, I apologize again if I'm a little bit rusty. This is my first interview, uh, probably in three months. It was about so, um, but no, it was a lot of fun doing it, and we brought up some heavy hitters, and it's crazy just the amount of people that uh, Frank fought. And um, I actually I had to look it up afterwards because it got me curious, and I should have looked it up beforehand. You know, t- typical kid not doing his damn homework, just like just like high school, right? Um, no, he's actually sixth all time in the United Hockey League as far as penalty minutes go. And, um, you know, he wasn't v- very one dimensional either. He was putting up a lot of points and Frank's a hell of a hockey player. And anybody who says otherwise is dead wrong. But no, I had a lot of fun. And it's funny you bring up and I'll mention it during the podcast. I believe I mentioned it quite a few times during the interview that, you know, I'd go on and then next thing you know, all these guys that I'm bringing up, I'm like, holy shit, I've had them on the pod, them on the pod. So if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, um, you know, if you're tuning in to listen to Frank, maybe you're a friend of his or anything like, or excuse me, something like that. I encourage you to go back and check out the archives of the podcast. If you like the tough guy and enforcer talk, uh, we got quite the resume over here at the five for fighting show. Now, of course you ain't here to hear me. So luckily all the interviews are mostly for the guys and there's not very many solo episodes out there. I think I maybe have a whopping three, um, everything else is at least interviews with fight fans or players. Um, players involved are, well, let's see, with the UHL, we got Bruce Watson, Mark McFarlane, um, Pat Barton, Brian Rasmussen. They all played in the UHL or the Colonial League. Um, you know, you want LNH talk. I've done a special on the LNH and talk about a few LNH players. Um, 
or excuse me, talked with a few LNH players and fans in those specials, which is part one and two. Uh, NHL, we got Andre Waugh, Chris Nyland, Rob Ray, even Jeremy Oblonsky. And yes, he's an NHLer. He got that one game with the Blues, so I count it. <laughs> um, but the list goes on for guys I've had. And um, so I encourage you to definitely go back and check those out. And I appreciate it if this is your first time listening. Hopefully you stick around other than this interview with Frank Littlejohn. Um, but I mean, you're in for a really, really good treat anyways. So, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for at least picking one episode to listen to, right? Um, but no, so uh, real quick, though, I'm, I'm going to make this one kind of short. It's a little bit later over here. Got to be up early for work. Um, I got held up at work yesterday. This episode was supposed to be out yesterday, but uh, typical fashion of me, you know, uh, getting it out late. But I encourage you to go back and check out a couple other podcasts. Uh, you know, I know in the world of hockey podcasts, the juggernauts are, you know, the former players like John Scott, uh, Spittin' Chicklets, Cam and Strick, but... At the same time, there are other good hockey podcasts out there. And while I myself am not really that big of a fan of the current product of hockey, so I don't follow too many of the current hockey podcasts, there are a couple out there. One really good one, and it, it kind of covers current and hockey of yesterday, is Shane over at the History of Hockey podcast. Um, Got to give a shout-out to him, and he's been on my podcast. We did a swap cast, and we actually did a History of Hockey Fights episode. And we cover the pretty much the days of old hockey fighting from pretty much when it was incepted, uh, or the sport was incepted, I should say, um, and all the way to present day, and that was a lot of fun, doing a lot of history of the game, but Shane does multiple episodes on a bunch of different topics, um, he's even done stuff, if you're, if you're here for the fights and everything, like, uh, you know, most of my listeners are, he did a, I think it was three parts, uh, three part special on Doug the Hammer Smith, and if you don't know who that is, that is the actual inspiration for the Doug Glatt character, he was the real goon, it was Doug the Hammer Smith, um, so you can go check that out. I think he did a special on the Danbury Trashers. And speaking of Trashers, if you uh, you know followed Little John's career a little bit, you know he'd play against Danbury and had a little controversy with Danbury. And we talk about that in here. I had an episode last. Uh, it, would, it was the last guest I had on before I uh, put the podcast on hold for a little bit. But it was AJ Galante, the GM. Um, but no, go check out Shane over there. And if you're if you want to listen to fight casts and you know the the hockey fighting podcast and stuff like that. Uh, go check out the original one, which is Darren over at the Fourth Line Voice. Darren is a great friend of mine, and he just had Steve Adams on, and he told some awesome stories and told a brutal one about Kerry Toporowski, and I love to hear it because I was a huge Toporowski fan. And, oh, man, when, you know, you put that story, everybody says he's the nicest guy, and I think he actually does uh, financial advising out in the Quad Cities today. But, man, when you put that sweater on and he stepped on the ice, oof, I literally don't talk to him. And that's the lesson. That is literally the moral of the story. He didn't even say anything bad. Just don't talk to Toporowski on the ice. <laughs> but you'll have to tune in to that episode uh, over at Fourth Line Voice to actually hear the full details. And he also has a great YouTube channel. Uh, thousands, I mean thousands of hockey fight videos you can go check out. I want to say he's got over tw- maybe 2,300 from guys in juniors to the LNH to the uh, minor pros like, you know, UHL, SPHL, uh, even NHL. It goes on, so... Uh, Darren does a lot of great stuff over there at the fourth line voice. Um, and he's got plenty of other episodes in his, um, in his book there or not book, but, um, I, I guess you want to say playlist maybe, but he's got guys like, uh, John Morasti, uh, not Jeremy Oblonsky. That's me. Um, Steve McIntyre. Sorry. got it mixed up there. Uh, but yeah, like I said, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Dan Kopech, Josh Mazer, Joey Tedarenko. He's got a ton of guys over there, um, under his belt in the podcasting world. So go check out that podcast. And another fighting podcast is done by my good friend Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. 
And with a name like Coliseum Chronicles, you might be thinking, what does that mean? Well, he covers exclusively Islanders enforcers. Um, and so basically, if they played in the Islanders farm system, maybe, or, or excuse me, maybe it was the ECHL team or the AHL team like Bridgeport or something like that. Uh, those are the guys he focuses on. And if he doesn't have an episode with a actual um, Islander guy, then he'll do a season review that he's been doing. Like, I think he just did Eric Goddard. I can't remember. I know I listened to it, but I can't remember what season it's from, damn it. So my apologies, Joe, but he'll do that. So uh, Joe has some awesome guests on as well. He's had um, uh, Dean Ewan, the brother of the late Todd Ewan, and he's had Aaron Asham on, guys like that, Clark Wilm. So definitely great stuff over there with Joe at the Coliseum Chronicles podcast, The Penalty Box. Excuse me one second. Let me get a swig of water here. But... Um, that pretty much wraps it up for the boys. You know, always, I, I always encourage people to go check out us little guys and, um, whether it's my podcast or their podcast, do me a favor, rate and review their shows. It really helps us grow. And we all do this on, I don't want to say our own dime. I mean, technically, yes, all the podcast cost me is I think $7 a month for the, the Skype subscription, but that's besides the fact, um, I should say on our own time, really, we don't, we don't do this cause we want to get famous or anything like that, but you know, some little uh, growth does help. And, you know, the more audience, or excuse me, the broader the audience, you know, the more these guys' stories can kind of get out there. And that's the main reason why we do it is to hear these guys' stories. Um, It's the most underappreciated role in sports, so it doesn't get told enough. And when a lot of other hockey podcasts out there have a tough guy or an enforcer on, you know, they might ask him a couple, uh, it's just always the, oh, who was the toughest guy you ever fought? Well, as if that guy's been asked that 300 fucking times in his life, you know? Um, and then, so they'll ask him that and maybe his, you know, the one big fight he had that everybody knows, Oh, what was that fight? Like, well, everybody's asked him about that already. And then they'll just go to talking about the power play. So this is the nitty gritty. And I think I'd put all of our interview, whether it's, uh, excuse me, all of our interviews, whether it's me, Darren, Joe against any of the, you know, the juggernaut podcast world, the 31 thoughts, uh, you know, whatever the case is, um, we all do our homework and go very in depth. And especially with Frank, it was funny. I was telling him before we got going on the podcast, I was like, holy shit, man. I was like, you know, I do a lot of research, but man, I just covered like three pages of my notebook here. So it was, it was a lot of fun though, but it's because, um, I, it, Frank was a little bit harder cause it's harder to find fight cards now, especially with hockey fights being kind of not the greatest source for hockey fight cards. Um, it used to be drop your gloves, but that site's gone. So I kind of, how I got to do it now is I piece together everything, with uh you know fight footage so it, i'll kind of look for the year because sometimes the year like the date stamp will be on the video so i'll look for that year and have to fill it in and be like oh okay that was from this year let me plug that in when we get to that part in his career same thing and then also for that year because i don't have any guys to go off of i don't like like with frank's career when it started i don't think we got to any fight card until i think the 0304 season or maybe maybe it was even 0405 i'm not sure um but you know, with that, I have to go through and look up every every single season upon that is whatever league he was in, which was mostly the UHL up until that point. I think it might have been the ECHL one, one or two of those seasons too. But until we got to a fight card, at least uh, go through look at look at team rosters and PIM leaders. So, and I know I do it, Darren does it, and Joe does it, and all of us put in our work. So, you know, again, we're not doing this to get famous or anything like that, but just um, you know, a little rate review is the I think the least you could do, right? So it'll really help the podcast grow and it'll 
how the algorithm works from my understanding with iTunes and everything like that is people type in hockey, like hockey podcast or hockey fights, whatever the case may be. Um, it's more likely to show up with the more reviews and the stars or whatever you get. So uh, that'll really help. And lastly, I'll just plug in. Oh, actually, I take that back. Two more things. Sorry. I wanted to give a quick congratulations out there to Matt Caputo. And some of you might be wondering, who the hell is that? He is a awesome, awesome guy out in Danbury who started the Mustache Classic. He started it last year, and last year, doing it all on his own by, you know, not... I mean, he had help with sponsorships, and luckily there's some awesome, awesome people and companies out there that help with this this cause. And basically, uh, I should start from the beginning here of what the cause is about, but it's for uh, men's mental health and suicide prevention, and it's to raise awareness, and he's partnered with the, uh, the Movember Foundation, and it started off as just him doing it, and he reached out to me last year saying, you know, would you mind promoting it? I said, absolutely, because, of course, you know, with the role of enforcers and tough guys, mental um, mental health injuries um, can happen. So, you know, head trauma, concussions. So, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, with my military background, you've had plenty of former veterans um, who have dealt with those problems as well. So, absolutely no issue doing that, and he's doing awesome things over there. And it started off last year raised a good amount of money. I think it was like $6,000. And this was all pretty much like, uh, you know, going out on a limb here, doing it for the first time. Well, fuck, he figured it out in the off season here because holy cow, this man and a lot of other people managed to raise over $22,000 this year. And mind you, that beat out NHL teams. NHL teams, we're talking. Not, you know, this, this isn't the booster club for the Florida Everblades. This is actual NHL teams, the New Jersey Devils, the Anaheim Ducks were, the, I think, the two big contenders they were up against. I think the Montreal Canadiens were in there, too. But for the category of, you know, hockey foundations, the Mustache Classic, excuse me, the Mustache Classic raised the most money. So that is awesome. And I'm so sorry, Matt, I could not promote it this year. Um well, I, I think I promoted it for two episodes, and then I ended up moving and getting COVID, and I couldn't promote it, and it sucked, and I'm, I'd fucking, fucking kick myself in the ass for it. And I told myself this year I was going to go up there for the game because he actually does a men's charity game out there in Danbury, Connecticut, at the Danbury Ice, or, excuse me, Danbury Ice Arena, where the Trashers play, uh, or the Trashers played, I should say. Now it's the home to the Danbury Hattricks in the Federal Hockey League. Um, so I am so sorry I couldn't make it out there. Well, of course, with COVID, I wouldn't have made it anyways. But next year, mark my words, I'm going to make it out there. And for the love of God, if I don't get COVID next year, then we will uh, do a lot more promoting. And I was happy I could help out in some way. And actually, I actually I should say I'm a, I'm a winner. I'm a winner, guys. I managed somehow for the first time ever in my damn life win a raffle. And it was for a – it was like the charity game-worn – Doug the Hammer Smith, I mentioned him earlier as you know the inspiration for Doug Glatt. Doug the Hammer Smith jersey. So I'm getting that in the mail eventually, and I know Matt's going to send it out to me. But to everybody who participated, and I know Joe helped out, I know William at the Biscuit helped out. Um, just you know, thank you guys, and it was awesome, and it's and I'm really happy I could be a part of something like that, and it is just fantastic. So Matt, congratulations, and everybody who participated with it and donated and helped out, spread awareness. Congratulations, all of you. It well deserved, a hundred percent. I had to get that out of the way because I felt so bad for you know not being able to promote it as much this year because of course I didn't have an episode out for almost you know two months and that was the two to three months leading up to you know the final date for it. But nonetheless, congratulations and keep doing awesome things, Matt. 
Um, and last but not least, guys, I'll just get the quick plug-ins for the podcast out of the way. <clears throat> uh, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it is at the number five and then four fighting pod. If you want to follow it on Instagram, it is just spelled out regularly five for fighting pod on Facebook. If you want to give the uh, Facebook page a like, just search five for fighting podcast and it will pull right up. And lastly, if you like your fix of hockey fights and uh, fight photos, go check out the enforcer appreciation group. I'm trying something real quick before I, you know, uh, I was going to downsize the group a lot, but I'm going to try adding more moderators and admins and seeing if we can keep the group a little bit clean. Not that it wasn't bad before. It's definitely not nearly as bad as other groups. It was getting bad to where I see people kind of shitting on players and stuff like that. And there's a lot of former players in there. And I'm trying to keep it, you know, at bay. Um, there was one, like, it, it's sad because for every, you know, one asshole that there is in the comments that has to say something stupid about a player, there's, you know, 400 other guys that, you know, love the picture and love the actual message that the group is trying to send, which is literally what the name is, Enforcer Appreciation, right? So, um, you know, I was going to downsize it to make it a little bit more manageable, but I'm going to kind of do a little guinea pig experiment here and see if adding more moderators and admins can kind of help out a little bit. Um, but there it is, guys. Sorry, I kind of went long. I was actually trying to make this 10 minutes, and now here I am going on, you know, almost uh, 20 here. But anyways, we'll wrap it up there. You didn't come here to hear me yap. You are here for the sixth all-time leader in United Hockey League penalty minutes, member of the Adirondack Hockey Hall of Fame, and a generally awesome, awesome dude. And I, you know, had a great time talking to him. And that is Frank Lowe's. Oh, fuck. Forgot one more thing. Sorry. Jesus. Um, so at the, you know, I mentioned at the very end of the podcast here, Jesus, I'm over all over the damn place. Real professional over here. If this is your first time, this is probably your last time, right? Um, <laughs> no, but I have to plug this in for Frank. So uh, he owns a small business out in Ontario. And he was having a little bit of problems during COVID with it. And uh, he said he was he was struggling there for a little bit. So real quick, I want to let everybody know the name of that business and the address. And I say it at the very end, I think. Um, but just in case, you know, you might be on your way somewhere and you make a quick pit stop while you're listening to this. I want to get this out there. So it is called Superior Edge Custom Skates Care and Apparel. And it is in Bowmanville, Ontario. The address is two three seven eight durham regional highway two unit three in bowmanville ontario go check it out uh frank mentions it in the very beginning of this podcast about what they do there so i'll let him kind of take it away here um but i just wanted to get that address out there and go support that tell him alec at the five for fighting podcast sent you much like darren's uh shout out for kent standard fourth tire shop i don't know if it'll get you anything but it's worth a shot right but anyways, guys, sorry, I kept that long, even made a long story longer, right? But without further ado, here is Frank Littlejohn, everybody. Thank you. This should be good. This should be very good. Today's guest on the Five for Fighting podcast, after the trials and tribulations, and I had my software crash the night I was supposed to interview him a few months back, we have a guy who is a member of the Adirondack Hockey Hall of Fame, and he managed to amass 3,123 penalty minutes throughout his career, and that is one Mr. Frank Littlejohn. Frank, how are you doing tonight, man? Not too bad at all, thanks. How are we doing? Oh, good, man. I'm glad to finally get you on, and like I said before we got going here, it sucked because I, I was running the audio test uh, back in the day to uh, you know get you on there, and that was when I realized yeah. all my software crashed, and you know again, the, the joys <laughs> of podcasting here. That's it. I hear you. No problem at all. I'm glad to. I'm glad to be a part of the show. 
For sure, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Um, well, before we get going into kind of your career and uh, your your playing days, you know, what is Frank Littlejohn up to these days? Well, I'm a pretty busy guy. I, uh, I've kind of retired back home here. I live in uh, in a little town called Curtis, Ontario. It's just east of Toronto. Um, I'm settled down here with my wife and four kids, and uh, I own a hockey store called Superior Edge back here in Bowmanville. Um, you know, we uh, we do skate sharpening and tape and laces and a little bit of gear, and uh, we do also a little bit of uh, training as well. We do skate treadmill training, so it's like a a power skating training facility. Um, we hook kids up to like a harness, and they're on a treadmill, and we get them uh, doing the power skating, their edge work, their their balance, their their speed, their power takeoffs, and we lengthen and strengthen their stride. You know, we get kids from beginners all the way through to pro guys. Uh, this past couple of weeks, I've had a couple of pro guys come on and uh, a couple of junior guys, and I'm just guys trying to stay in shape or or kids, you know, um, just uh, trying to uh, uh, pick up hockey and uh, and learn to skate. We uh, we've got some kids just doing learn to skate on there. So it's a pretty amazing machine. Um, and uh, that's what we're doing kind of right now. Right on, man. Well, glad to see you doing well after the game and everything like that. And uh, I know you played it for years, and, of course, we'll get into that with your career. I, it was funny going over everything and kind of going, you know, with these guys that go line by line for their career. And looking down at yours, I was sitting in the buddy. I was like, holy shit, man. I was like, <laughs> pack a lunch for this one. Good night, man, because you did it for so damn long. Um yeah. I mean, which is awesome too. It's you know, it's crazy that you played all the way up until you know two years ago in 2019. Um, but you know, starting from the beginning, you know, you were born in Oshawa. Did you start playing hockey at an early age, like most Canadian kids? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I learned. Uh, I learned in the backyard. Uh, you know, way back when, when uh, when uh, my dad built a rink in the backyard, and that's where I learned. That's where I learned how to skate. My dad taught me how to skate in the backyard, then. Once you learn how to skate in the backyard, they put you into, like, house league and all that kind of stuff. It's called park league back then. And then from there, you know, you, you, gain the, you play in the little NHL is what it was called here in Oshawa. And then from there, you just you, you start playing rep hockey. And I played AAA hockey all the way up. Um, you know, it, has its, it had its uh, ups and downs, as, as everybody does uh, going up in, uh, through hockey. But uh, um, Oshawa back then was a, a pretty decent organization. A lot of good players came from Oshawa, and uh, so we had a lot of good coaches. And I started my career off in Oshawa as uh, as a young lad here in Canada. Um, you know, just kind of moving up through the ranks and as novice right through till. Right on, I man. I think it was maybe Bantam, maybe Major Bantam, and then uh, I skipped midget and played junior hockey. I can't remember back then, but I skipped midget, played junior, junior C, and then and then went on from there. Right, and well, you know, looking at your career kind of early off, man, you started amassing penalty minutes pretty quick. When did the fighting kind of come in for you? Well, you know, I, it, it wasn't like that all the way from the start. It, it kind of progressed. I was always that type of player. Um, back in minor hockey, there wasn't really a lot of fighting, but I was kind of that aggressor player. I was always able to kind of put the puck in the net as a young lad, um, and then I got kind of playing in rep. I wasn't the top line guy. I was always that work for everything I I I, I had. Um, I wasn't kind of given the opportunity. I had to really work for it. So from there, it was like I, I always had to work for everything. So 
Um, moving up, I had a tough time um, kind of uh, uh, cracking the lineup, uh, getting a regular shift. So I always had to work for it. By the time I got to my third year junior, I really started to gain what kind of a player I really wanted to be and how I need to be that player to be successful. Um, my first couple of years of junior, you know, it wasn't very successful. Then I started dropping the mitts, playing a little bit more edgier. I got my room on the ice. And as you can see there, by my last year of junior, I think I played five years of junior because I started early. Um, I played first year of junior when I was 15. So, and back then, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, it, it was tough. It, it was a tough league and I was a young kid. And I made the Pickering Panthers junior team. I stepped on the ice in, uh, against Caledon. They had a big, tough team. And as a 15-year-old, I beat the bag off a 20-year-old. I can't remember the guy's name, but um, Brad Ryder was our coach. He played, in the, he, played in the, uh, he played a little bit of pro. He played in the OHL for the Peterborough Peets. Tough as nails kind of a guy. And uh, I fought this 20-year-old as a 15-year-old, and he signed me right away. And then uh, he didn't last too long there, I guess. Uh, something happened maybe at the owner or whatever, but he left. New coach came in. I got sent down to junior C, fought my way back up, and uh, kind of the, the, there was kind of that's how I, I made a name for myself and started my career. And then I went on to play junior, a little bit more junior, and then at the end of my career, I think I was 200 minutes and 30 or 40 goals and uh, got a walk-on playing pro that year after. Right on. And, yeah, it's funny because you look at the last year you were there, and, man, you were getting after it hard. You had 63 points and managed to put up 200 penalty minutes, too. Like, holy shit, <laughs> getting after it, eh? <laughs> I was getting busy. Yeah, there's a lot of tough customers. Like, uh, you know what? So many years ago, I wish I could remember a lot of these guys' names, but fuck, it was tough. It was tough. Like, you know, the game's changed so much right now, but we'll get into that probably a little bit later. But, um some tough customers, like I said, like, uh, fuck, I can't even remember guys' names, but um, just coming up through the juniors there, I'm just trying to make a name for myself. Um, and then once I played my first year pro in the Western Professional Hockey League, it was a pretty big eye-opener. I was pretty much scared shitless. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, I, was, I was pretty tough in junior. I was probably one of the toughest pound-for-pound pound guys. I fought everybody. Um you know, I fought all the big guys, uh, Roger Maxwell, and and uh, I can't even remember guys. Jesus, but when I hit pro, it was uh, it was an eye opener. It really was. Um, I was scared shitless. I was in Arkansas Glacier Cats there, and it was fight after fight. And and we had Marty Melnichuk. Marty was a big son of a bitch. Jesus, I see this guy. I'm like, I gotta fight guys like this. I'm like, I gotta. What the, where the hell am I? <laughs> And, and, and it took me a good maybe 8, 10, 12 games in the season. I don't even remember how many games I played. I didn't last there very long. I, it was a real big eye-opener for me. That I didn't see eye to eye with the coach. I was trying to play. I was trying to make a name for myself to play. I didn't want to be that guy on the bench that just got the tap to go out and play. I mean, to go out and fight. I wanted to be the guy that, you know, I can be a part of the, you know, something on a team, playing the top two lines. And as my career moved on, I was that guy. But it was like uh, I, I didn't like the position I was in that first year playing pro in the Western Professional Hockey League. I didn't really get along with my coach. 
And uh, it was tough to find my groove there. And I, I got sent home halfway through, I believe, that year. Right. Yeah, it looks like you played half a season. And not a, you, you had Marty Melnichuk on that team. And you had a couple other characters, too. And, you know, one being a previous podcast. Actually, you had two of them, now that I look at it again. You had old Jason Rushton, who I've had on. You had Todd Screwy St. Yeah. Louis. And you even had Darren Campbell Screwy on St. there, Louis. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Screwy there uh, every couple of weeks. I, we've, we've touched base here and there. What a great battler that guy is. Jesus Christ. He was one of the, he wasn't one of the biggest guys, but man, he would, you know, he, he was tall, but uh, he was fighting monsters. And, and I, and I saw him get him. He was split open one night. His long curly blonde hair was red by the end of the fight. And I'm like, where the fuck am I playing? Like, what is going on here? Like, I've never seen this, you know? I just played junior hockey, and I thought I was tough. These son of a bitches were tough, man. And it was a huge eye-opener. And it was scary. It really was. And I didn't really know. I knew what kind of a game I wanted to play, but I I, I didn't want to do that full-time. I wanted to play. And those guys were tough. You know, Darren Kimball came down for the NHL. Uh, I partied a lot. I went out with the boys a lot. Um, I was I was one of those character type guys. I got along with everybody. Um, maybe sometimes I got in the wrong group sometimes, and I was back, you know blackballed there a little bit. But you know, I was that character guy, and you know I hung out with some of those guys, and I like to go out for beers and I like to party a little bit. But I also wanted to make this a career, and there were some big eye opener moments that really turned my career around, as we'll get into it, as I got into Adirondack and learned learned how to be a be a professional so but yeah those guys Jesus they some big cops on the bitches and uh and I didn't last too long there but um but I've also kept in contact with those guys from my first year pro I did learn a lot from those guys absolutely and just to give people kind of a, a perspective on the animals that they had the PIM leaders for that season were of course uh screwy St. Louis Dean Schmier, Sean Legault, Chris Waltz, and Jeff Bumstead. And oh, Jeff Bumstead, boy, he could. If you ever look at his stats, guys, go check him out. He could put up the pins yeah. and put the puck in the net too. Insane, insane numbers. A hundred percent, yes. Um, it was crazy, for sure. No kidding. Uh, so you, well, you actually go to the ECHL for a little bit, and you play a few games, but then you end up finding your niche with Adirondack in the UHL. How did that kind of happen, and you know what made you kind of bounce around a little bit in the EC, uh, excuse me, the ECHL? Yeah, the, the East Coast League. It, it, it's, it, when I went through, actually, it, it's like that still, but when I went through, I went to Johnstown, and uh, they were affiliated with the Calgary Flames. Now, I got into camp and I was lights out at camp. I'm not even going to lie. I had a fucking amazing camp. I got a couple of tilts in, in camp. I lit the lamp. I've kind of come to my game. This is the kind of player I want to be. I want to, I'm scoring goals. I, you know, and, and it's going well for me. Um, they sit me down and they want to sign me. So, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, damn right. Let's go. Let's sign. So I signed, I play one, game my parents are in town i believe i get two goals in a fight i think they only gave us four minutes for the fight but it was two goals in a fight and i don't play another fucking game there i'm like what is like i don't, I don't get it i don't get it here i am busting my balls trying to make a name for myself i get two snipes i get in a fight i don't get another game i go on a two-week or three-week road trip 
down the southern part, TD and 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 um, Georgia and all those teams down south. It was at least a two or three week trip. Never seen one game. We had some. Uh, who did we have get sent down? Um, a bunch of guys. Um, a D-man Welsh or Walsh. A D-man from Calgary got sent down. Um, we had a bunch of guys. I can't even remember guys off the top of my head now as we're chatting, but it'll come to me. But we had a lot of guys get sent down. And, you know, they played. The NHL guys on contract, they played. I get it. That was the story, the song and dance. I mean, these guys are on contract. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'll sit on another night. Next night comes, LJ, you can't play. You can't play these guys. Uh, I have to play them. Like, whatever. Fuck. So I was just kind of the team off-ice coordinator is what they called me. <laughs> they I, they made a nickname for me. The guys on the team made a nickname for me. I was the team off-ice coordinator. No joke. <laughs> I'd find out in the stands where the boys were going for beers after the game. That was fucking great. That's the highlight of my career in, in Johnstown. Great. Here I am. I play one game, <laughs> balls to the walls, two goals, a fight. I go on this road trip on south, and now I'm the off-ice team coordinator trying to find where the guys are going for dinner. Like, I was like, is this really just, it's a joke or what? So I didn't last long there. They traded me to, where was it? Uh, Wheeling, West Virginia. What a shithole that was when I got there. <laughs> but, but I got a chance to play. I got a chance to play. Uh, Murray Hughes was our coach. Great guy. But I think he used me for four or five games. Got me on a good line. I put up a few numbers, gotten a couple tilts, I think, was playing, was doing okay. He traded me, used me as trade bait, traded me down south to Charlotte. I didn't get, uh, it, I didn't get along with uh, that guy there. Who was the coach? It was, uh, he played in the league forever in Charlotte. We didn't get along was at it, all. Uh, well, there was two that um, year. Was it Sean Wheeler or Don McAdam? Sean Wheeler, that's who it was. Sean Wheeler, I go down there, song and dance, um, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't really get to know him, um, didn't really play a lot. I, I got into Charlotte. Funny thing is, when I left Wheeling, um, you know, I, I wasn't going to go. I was going to go home. I'm like, I, I, I didn't, I, I'm like, what is going on here? So I go, I go, to, I go to Charlotte, Wheels is the coach there. Didn't see eye to eye. Didn't play a lot. Played a few games. Trading me to Huntington. Same song and dance there. Um, I don't even remember who the coach was there. It was just a blur of those. That one year was just a blur. I was trading around so much. I wasn't a bad apple. I wasn't getting into trouble. Um, just It just didn't work out. Uh, maybe with some NHL guys getting uh, sent down. It just didn't work out for me. It wasn't my league to start in. Um, I just didn't find my groove. I thought I did in we- in Johnstown, but it really pissed me off. And Huntington, we got sent home at the All-Star break. I went home for three days. I packed my stuff. Nobody knew, though. I packed my stuff up when I went home, and uh, I didn't show up when I went back. They did- I didn't go back. I didn't go back. I, I went back to – I worked in a hockey shop uh, that year, went back. And then I kind of got a call moving from the East Coast Hockey League from Adirondack Icehawks. Uh, the, the owner, Art Shaver, gave me a call and said, hey, kid, you want to come down for a trial? And I said, you know what? 
Yeah, I do. And I, and I explained the situation, how the year went before. And it was just, you know, I just needed a shot already. I just, all I want to do is I need a shot. I go down to Adirondack, and it was like a 360 turn for me. I go into camp, exhibition games, and I fight everybody. Like, I fight tough guys. I, I put points up. I, I, I find my groove, and, I'm, and here it is. I get, you know, I meet Trevor Sand, and we'll probably talk about Trevor because he was the wild one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I meet these guys, uh, uh, Hugo Belanger, Kevin St. John. I get into the mix with these top guys, Brad Shaver. Art Shaver's the owner, and they just fucking take me in under their wing. They love me, and, and they make me into this. They, they give me an opportunity to play. Gates Orlando, I'll never forget. Gates Orlando put me on the line because I went into camp. I was about 10 pounds heavier, firecracker, full of piss and vinegar. I want this. I want to play pro hockey. I want this so bad. I'm going to do anything it takes to play pro hockey. I'm going to prove these fucking assholes that cut me and traded me in the East Coast Hockey League all over the map, made me move all around all over the country, I'm gonna, I said, fuck it. I'm going to sh- prove these guys wrong. Um, Kate Orlando gave me a good opportunity there in Adirondack. He put me on the line with Hugo Belanger, 120-point 100, guy year, a year guy, uh, and, uh, and Kevin St. Jock, another big point producer. He put me on the line with these two guys. My job, up and down the wing, bang and crash, stand in front of the net, get the pucks to them, do the dirty work, and make sure nobody touches those guys. Yep. Good. I'm in. Give me that job. Let's go. I have a career year. As you can see there, I don't even remember how many. Your first year, though, you, you, put up, uh, you put up 49 points and 193 pims, so you were getting after it that year, too. Yeah, just trying to make a name for myself. I think I scored 28 goals or 26 goals or something like that playing with those guys. And, uh, and wow, you know, Gates Orlando, I give him a ton of credit. Um, you know, I was a young, hot-headed kid, you know, still trying to prove myself. Um, you know, we didn't see eye to eye all the time, but he had a lot of faith in me. Um, he, 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 he turned me in the right direction. He was hard on me, um, but he was a huge impact on my career. I mean, huge. Gates Orlando made me into the player I am today. Um, but, uh, you know, we butted head a few times, but I love the guy. I owe him a lot. I owe Gates Orlando a lot. He really instilled a lot of confidence in me, and he believed in me and, and, and helped me uh, get my career off the ground. He gave me that opportunity to play with good players, show him that I can put the puck in the net, and I can do my job and protect a couple of players like that. So um, I, I give a lot, big shout-out to Gates Orlando and, and obviously Art Shaver, you know, the owner there. Um, they went through some tough times there, but... I love Art Shaver, you know. Um, we still talk and hang out till this day. So, um, huge kudos to those two guys for sure. Yeah, well, you brought him up earlier, and of course, he was involved in probably, if not the most infamous hockey fight of all time. And of course, that is Trevor Sen. Uh, what was it like playing with him? Amazing, amazing. Everybody, even though Trevor Sen was five eight, five five eight at his best of days. 200 pounds, 180 pounds soaking wet, 200 pounds. Um, the toughest guy I 
ever played with, that I'm probably ever going to ever play with. He, pound for pound, he was a killer, man. He, he would stand in there. He was a total different fighter than I was. He would stand in there and let you hit him as hard as you can and go toe-to-toe with the biggest, baddest guys. You know, I love that guy. Trevor Sand, one of my best buddies still to this day. Toughest son of a bitch, man. And uh, to be on the same team with him, he taught me a lot about myself and fighting and how to get through this and how to do it night in, night out. What a battler. And everybody knows Trevor Sand's name. The biggest, saddest fights on, on YouTube, you see. Him and... Uh, him and uh, that guy, uh, where did he play? Dayton, I think. No. Uh, Ken Tasker out, in, out in Toledo. Tasker, holy shit, in Toledo, that's it. Another podcast guest I had on. One of the best fights of all time. Oh, hands True down. Or no, one of the best fights of all time. Like, you know, and, and for me to meet Trevor Sen, Trevor took me under his wing, no joke. Um, we battled together. We partied together. We roomed a lot together. Uh Man, I love this guy. It brings a tear to my eye. That freaking guy was the battle. Was a battler, you know, at five eight and fighting everybody, and it showed me at five eleven, you know, just pushing six feet to fight. Guy like if he can do it, why can't I fucking do it? Fuck, I can do it. And and he really showed me that. He he he, he taught me a lot. Trevor said, if he's listening, I love you, buddy. For sure, man. And then another teammate I got to ask you about that was uh, on your team that year. And I knew him mostly from his LNH stuff, of course. Uh, but that is one big dude is Mike Varhog. What was it like playing with Varhog? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, it, it, was, it was something else. He, he's, he's a different kind of bird, that guy. <laughs> uh, love Varhog. Um, he's another guy that makes your team feel uh, like you're 10 feet tall. And he was 10 feet tall. <laughs> um, big, bad son of a bitch. He would fight everybody. Uh, he'd fight anybody any night. Uh, he loved to do it. I think he went on to play up in that uh, Quebec League and do it for a living up there. Made some good money up there. Um, you know, uh, another great guy. Just another great, uh, loyal uh, a teammate that uh, made your whole team feel bigger. And uh, I, I, I think, personally, that year, or maybe the year after, we had one of the toughest teams in pro hockey that you could probably put down a paper. I'm talking about pro hockey. I'm not talking, you know, the LNAH up there. They were tough sons of bitches. They were tougher teams up there. Uh, you know, uh, I'm talking pro hockey. We had probably one of the toughest teams, if not the toughest team, on paper uh, that you know we had. Lucas Neerling and Mike Barog and Alex Johnstone and, and Trevor Sen and myself and uh, 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 Brandon Fleener. We had some big, bad heavyweights, man. It was crazy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Barog, another one of, those, one of those guys for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, of course, we'll get into that uh, team in the next year in a second here. But I got to ask, man. So Jason because, Bone. <laughs> yep, Jason Bone is on there. And, actually, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. Me and him have just had – it's just been a timing issue with us. Uh, schedules haven't been matching up. Yep. But um, So, you know, I don't have your fight card. Unfortunately, I don't know if you ever knew the Drop Your Gloves website, but that was like the Bible for enforcer fight cards. And now yep. hockey fights. I don't get any of your fights up until the 03-04 season. 
But so kind of going through the list here of the penalty minute leaders that year, uh, just curious if he fought any of them. There was uh, Sean Legault, Kerry Toporowski, Gary yeah. Goulash, and Bruce Watson. Did you fight any of those guys by any chance? I fought Bruce Watson. Uh, I, never, I don't think I fought Goulash. I fought Legault. Uh, who was the other one? Toporowski. Toporowski. I never fought him. Uh, Goulash. Uh, who, who else? And... It was it was just Lego, Topper, Goulash, and uh, Watson. Yeah, Watson and Lego. What was it like fighting Bruce Watson? I had him on the podcast. He was a fucking beauty. He is a beauty. Um, I fought him in Asheville. Um, big son of a bitch. I think I may have got the best of him. I got that fight on tape. Um, he's a big boy. Shit, a big boy. We went toe to toe for a little bit. Um, he's he's a big boy. Um, and then I played with him in Elmira. Um, nice guy, uh, you know, not much of a player, but, uh, he, he was a big, he was a big tough guy. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He was, there. uh, it's funny. You still like, if you ever look at his Instagram, he's still just hitting nothing but the weights and, you know, you'll see him cooking these big ass meals all the time. And it's funny seeing Watson still getting <laughs> after it a bit, even today. It's, it's great. Yeah, he had some tough. He had some tough times growing up and stuff like that. And then I took him under my wing a little bit. Um, him, him, his wife and my wife got along really well, and a lot of good times to lean on each other. And um, you know, he went through a couple tough times there and stuff. But um, but a good guy. He, he meant well. He'd do anything for you. You know, a couple stupid things in the past, but you know, I like the guy. I really do like the guy. For sure. And you said you also fought Sean Legault. What was it like fighting him? Sean Legault, I think I fought him in Elmira. And uh, he, he's just a willing companion anytime. Um, just go toe for toe. Um, really good fighter. Um, yeah, tough guy. Tough as nails. Tough as nails. I didn't know Sean very well. Um, I think I only fought him once, maybe twice, because I had to. Um, but uh, I fought John Murphy a lot in Elmira. I fought Brad Wingfield quite a few times. Um, and I fought Chris Millett a lot on that team. Um, Sean Legault fought Trevor Sen a lot, and he fought Nearling a lot, I think, and a couple of the other bigger guys. I, I fought all those big guys, but we had so many of them. Um, I didn't have to fight them every night. So all of our big guys fought them every night. I was able to fight those big guys, but then I was to go, like, I fought John Murphy fuck, eight times maybe every fucking game. He was he would he was a combat. He would throw and throw and throw and keep going and keep going. It went back and forth. I got the best of him a few times. He got the best of me a few times. He was about the same size guy as me. Um, great fight, great fight between me and him. Um, I fought Wingfield a few times. He was just a big, uh, big, big, strong man. His arms were the size of your head. He couldn't punch you straight on his arms from the side. So it wasn't very hard. He would grab on you, and he was tough. He was really tough, and uh, he would he would wrap you up and tie you up a lot. So it was hard to go toe to toe with that guy. But um, another big son of a bitch. Yeah, like yeah, there was a lot of tough guys there. Uh, for sure, man. And so, you know, moving on a little bit here to your 0203 season, this is probably the best season of hockey you've ever had. You had 56 points in 306 penalty minutes. Um, you know, at that point. Are, are you pretty comfortable in your role kind of – well, I mean, I would assume you'd have to be with putting up 
those points and those amount of penalty minutes, but are you kind of comfortable yeah. fighting and feeling more established at this point? Oh, 100%, 100%. You, you know, you pick up a lot of neat little things as you go. You watch YouTube fights. You watch game tape. And, what I, you know, if I lost to a guy, I wanted to fight him again. I wanted, I wanted to study him. I wanted to watch the fight. I wanted to see what we did, what I did wrong, what he did. And I wanted to fight him again and again and again. Um, I don't know if a lot of guys were like that. I think some guys are like that. But I just wanted to perfect it. I was a technical fighter. And I could fight both left and right. Believe it or not, I was just a righty until um, I played in Adirondack. I had to learn how to fight lefty. I wasn't a big guy, and I found fighting lefty caught a lot of guys off guard, and I become a natural lefty um, after being my. I'm a strong righty. I was a strong right. Fight right all the time. I I, I didn't know how to fight lefty. I didn't know he was even a thing. I'm like I'm a righty. As soon as I learned how to fight lefty, I would we would put the uh, 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 the uh, the 250 pound heavy bag up with a stick and shoulder pads and a jersey, and I would tie my right hand to my body and just throw left and just throw left and left and left and again and again, and a guy would push the bag into me and push me around, and I had a guy teach me and push me and push me and teach me and left and left and and I would and I would put a lot of hours into it. Finally, I I caught it caught on and I would I would I would start off right and switch up and go left and start right and in mid fight I would switch at any time. If I find they switch, I switch. And then, you know, if you want to go lefty and righty, I'm strong right. I'll go right for right, left for left, but then I'll also switch. I'll grab your strong I'll find out where you are. I'll, I'll grab your strong dominant hand and I can throw left. So I would catch a lot of guys off off guard. Especially being a smaller guy, these big guys, I would catch them right on the button, and uh, I would do more damage with my left than my right. There you go. It took a lot of time, though. It took, it took a lot of time to, to learn that. But like you said, by those years, I pretty much caught on, and it was like it was like an extra weapon I had, right? Right. Did you ever happen to do any like jersey tricks? Like, did you ever, you know, have a another added tie down or shorten your sleeves at all or anything like that? I would like to pull my sleeves up, and uh, and I had to tie my jersey down tight. If it wasn't tight, these big guys that were so tall, if they jersey down, it was so easy to jersey because because uh, your your jersey would get in the way, and they just beat the bag off you because your jersey's in the way, and you're just screwed. So I would tie my jersey down extra tight. I would actually tie it in a big ball knot at the back, and and I would take my fighting strap. And usually the fighting strap is below the numbers down in the lines of the jersey at the bottom. I would get the trainer to take that off and triple and quadruple sew that fighting strap up into my numbers. So my fighting strap and a lot of my jerseys are up in the numbers, sewed into the numbers because the numbers are tougher. And then that way I can tie it to the back of my pants a lot tighter. So we just can't move it. So you can't pull that over my head. You have to literally rip that jersey off or break that strap to jersey me. So that was a big advantage I had, that those bigger guys couldn't pull my jersey. It was so tight. And then my, uh, my arm pads were tight, tight and up over my – you could see me. I would pull my sleeves up over my elbow pads so you couldn't get a hold of my sleeve, right? And then me on the other guy, I would adjust my hand right and left, right and left, 
as he would throw, as I would switch right and left, I would adjust my hand from his right side to his left side. And I caught on to that. I got really comfortable with it. And it really helped me a lot moving forward in my career. There you go. A lot of I know there's a lot of tricks to the trade with the uh, the jerseys and everything like that. And I collect a couple jerseys here and there, and it's always cool to see kind of the customizations yeah. and everything. So uh, before we leave that O two O three year though, you fought one of the toughest dudes to ever grace the NHL, and this was you know he was kind of coming up a little bit. He would, I think he would probably a couple years removed from the Quebec League at this point, which is funny. People don't realize he actually played there, but you fought Big Steve McIntyre. What was it like fighting Big Mac? Oh, my God. He beat the living shit out of me. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say the living shit. That's the fight I'm talking about. My jersey came up quick. I was just trying to get our boys going. I think we were down. And I didn't give a shit. I, I would fight anybody. I, I didn't care. Big Steve McIntyre. At the time, he was only, I think, 19 years old. And I was, I was a little older in my career. I'm not sure how much older I am from him. But I'm at least five, six, seven, maybe even eight years older than him. Maybe. I'm not sure. He was just 19 or 20 at the time. And I'm like, this kid, I don't care. I'll fight the guy. He's a monster. I'll fight him. I held him there. My jersey, if you can see it, I, I, I have it on tape. He got my jersey. Again, he's six, what? Six, seven, six, 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 eight. Oh, yeah. I want to say six, seven, I think. Uh, and, and, and he's got to be 260. Oh yeah, something and, like something uh, stupid I, like that. I, I'm at the I'm at the time. I'm probably 200, 195, 200, 205. I was in really good shape. I was pretty jacked then, and uh, I had to be. I had to get stronger to fight these guys, and I was feeling pretty confident. So it doesn't matter. I I fight him. It started off okay. He hits me. I hit him, and then it, my jersey comes up, and he just fills me. My jersey's over my head. One after the other, top of my head. I had goosebumps from weeks after that. <laughs> we go off the same, because in, in Muskegon, you go off the same lane, you go off the same door, and he's waiting at the top of the landing for me as I come off, and he's like, thanks for fighting me, man. I said, dude, my head's going to be sore for weeks. And I go, hey, I'm just trying to get the boys going, and thanks for fighting me, kid, because he was younger, and uh, we never fought again. But, uh, you know, uh, respect, respect both ways. He respected me, I respected him. Even though he's a young kid, we're on the same surface. That's what I always said. I don't give a shit who you are, where you are, what it is. If you're 18, 19, 40, 20, you're on the same playing surface as me. If we're willing to go, we're going. I don't care if I'm 40, you're 19. It's on, right? We're in the same league. We're here for the same reason. Oh, for sure. And that's what I laugh at today when you see some people, if there's a fight in the NHL and you know, whether it's between, you know, like a 20-year-old and then the other guy's, you know, 30 or whatever. Oh, but he's he's just a kid at 20. Like, no, motherfucker, it's the NHL. Welcome to the big leagues now. You know, it's you, it doesn't yep. matter how old you are. <laughs> yeah, they got to remember they started somewhere, too, as that 19 or 20-year-old or, or vice versa now that you're older. You know, give the kids a chance and then give the old guy a chance, too. You know, when I came back, we'll probably get into that a little later, but give the old guy a chance as well. Like when I came back and played, I was 38, 39, 40. And, and I still did it, but moving back here. Yeah. It's, you know, you fight guy like Steve McIntyre and he's just starting his career and he went on to play in the NHL. And I'd like to say, I helped him, you know, I helped him start to get there and you know what it takes and what you got to do to, to, to achieve those goals and, and, and get there. Right. So whether I lost the fight or not, 
I don't give a shit. You know, I'm still here to talk about it. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, what a career Big Mac went on to have. And it's unfortunate because he was probably like 10 years too late because he probably would have been a lifer in the NHL. But A hundred percent. A hundred percent. He was probably 10 years too late. You're guaranteed there. That's the funny thing. A lot of like even guys like yourself coming up in like those early to mid 2000s, it's like 10 years too late. And all those guys like, you know, the Morastis, Yablonskis, oh, they could have been lifers in the NHL back in like the early 90s, you know? A hundred percent. Insane. Those, those guys were, those guys were animals. And back in the day when it was a lot of, you know, NHL, the NHL, and a lot of good hockey players, but there was a lot of caged animals there. Like you see those bros back in the day. Like holy shit. Like I, you know what? The same with me. I, I wish you know. I wish I got a shot. You know, a couple of years earlier, maybe. I, you know, if I had to went to to play for Art Shaver or. Or, or played in Adirondacks or, or wherever a couple of years, and I got a shot. I may have made the NHL. I had a few tryouts. I had a few stints in the American League. I had a couple American League, you know, call-ups, and I had a couple American League uh, tryouts. And, uh, you know, who knows? You know, who knows? Well, speaking of American League call-ups, that 0304 season – you ended up getting called up, and you fought Brendan Walsh. And I'm not sure, you know, some listeners may listen to Spit and Chicklets. And like I said, I couldn't yeah. quite remember the story, but I remember him definitely telling the one about fighting you. So what was it like fighting Walshy? <laughs> if that guy's a character, and he tells he tells a pretty good story. And uh, he's pretty correct to a T there, you know. Um, I didn't one-punch him, like he said in the interview. It wasn't a one-punch. It was he didn't know who I was. Um, and like he said in that, in that, uh, in that podcast there, he, he, he led up and said it pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, you know, who is this Frank Littlejohn guy? Anybody know this guy? They, they probably did get to the rink late. Uh, he didn't have time to look me up and, uh, you know, he's going to fight me tonight. Then leading up to that, I think, uh, uh Rod Skurlak, another big son of a bitch. He fought Colt Nor maybe a minute prior to that. Um, and then we had, uh, and then we had Brandon Van Owen. I think it was that fought. Oh shit, I can't remember. There was another big heavyweight fight right before mine. And not to say that like, I'm not a heavyweight. Welsh isn't a heavyweight, or Walsh isn't a heavyweight. But we fight the heavyweight guys. But we also can fight our own weight class. And and me and Brandon Walsh, we're in that same weight class. So we let the big boys dance. And then me and him went at it. It was the far dot neutral zone across from the benches. He came over, tapped me on the shin pads, ready to go, kid. And just like that, I'm like, yep, let's do this. We danced through center. You know, are we going to fight? Are we going to fight? Are we going to fight? Just like how he said. I'm just feeling him out, trying to see if he's a lefty or righty, because I don't know anything about him. I'm trying to feel him out. But, but I don't really care, because I'm a lefty and righty at this point. I'm very confident in my game and how I fight. And he didn't know that. He's just like, come here, you kid. And, uh, you know, we're not far off the same age, but he's like, come here, you kid. And he goes to grab me, and I hit him with a right and another right, and he threw a couple, and I switched, and it was left, 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 out. And he was out at my feet. And I was so excited. I'm like, holy shit. I go in the back position. I didn't know who he was. Look up his penalty minutes, and that fucking guy spot everybody. 
you're right. That guy's a top son of a bitch. And I started watching his fight. And still to today, I watch guys that I fight, watch their fights. You know, Brandon Walsh. Um, can you still hear me? Yep, I got you. It cut out for a second Sorry, there. I thought, I thought I lost you with my voice here. Yeah, my power was down. So Brandon Walsh, you know, one of the toughest guys. And I give kudos to that guy for fighting me. Like I said, one of those guys that gives you a chance. You know, after that fight, you know, um, Albany uh, invited me to their camp the following year. It was a lockout year. The camp got canceled. I didn't make it to camp. Little things like that just put a hint in your career. But, uh, you know, Brennan Walsh, what a great storyteller, though. Leading up to that, like he says, you know, he goes back to the bench and he's still not come to yet. He comes back to the bus. What a great storyteller. And, and we've touched base since that, since that uh, podcast interview with him talking about me. What a great guy. And when COVID's over, everything gets back to normal. I was a fighter fighter back here in, uh, in my hometown. And we're going to get a firefighter team to play his uh, police team as he's a policeman uh, down, down in, uh, in, in Boston there. And we'll probably hook up. And maybe we'll stage a round two. You never know. So, yeah, there you uh, go. What a great guy. What a great guy. And what a great shout out to me. I've got thousands and thousands of calls from that. And I really appreciate it. Brendan Welch, if, Welch, Welch, if, you, if you're listening, that meant a lot to me. You put a big uh, highlight in my career and you set me off uh, as, uh, as, a, as a milestone as me pushing my career forward from there. I really appreciate the shout out. And uh, hopefully we can connect maybe uh, down the road here. For a fun fire cop game down in down in Boston would be great. Hopefully he's listening. I know he follows the account on Twitter, so hopefully he actually listens to the podcast. I'll send a tweet at him, and hopefully he'll answer and get him to listen, and uh, right. he'll, he'll hear the shout-out you gave him there. Um, so, you know, the next year, 0405, of course, is the lockout year, and you actually get traded to Missouri with the River Otters, and you had some characters on that team. Uh, you had Dennis Vial, Barrett Jackman, and Jamal Mayers there. What was it like playing with those guys, man? <laughs> That was a fun year. That was a fun year. We had some of the NHL guys come down and, uh, you know, uh, Killer Kaminsky's our coach. So you imagine what that's like. What I was going to say, I was just about to is. ask what it was like being coached by Kevin Kaminsky. <laughs> oh, my God. He has been in through some wars, eh? I have nothing but respect for that guy. I still keep in contact with him and, and, and his wife, uh, his ex-wife now, I guess, Megan. Lovely lady, love the girl. We keep in touch, touch with them both. Killer Kaminsky, Kevin, uh, there. Learned a lot from that guy about my game, about how to be a pro, about uh, fighting and 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 also playing. Um, you know, we had a tough team there. Uh, Jamal Mares, great player. Uh, you know, the, the thing is though, like they came down to play at our level. And, and there's a difference in the NHL and in the minors. You know, if, 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 you're a, if you're a third or fourth line guy in the NHL, these guys, some, I'm not knocking these guys at all. They had some good careers. Some of these guys come down from the NHL and they think that they're going to produce huge numbers and play big minutes and play first and second lines. But little do they know and do they find out it's not that easy, right? It's not that easy to come down to our level and, 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 and jump right in because there's a lot of good hockey players. There's probably a lot of good guys that probably should be playing in the NHL, but they're not for some reason. 
the path didn't take them there. You know, just like my path didn't take me there for whatever reason. And these guys come down during the lockout year and uh, and made a lot of good friends. Barrett Jackman, Ryan Johnson, Jamal Mares, Bryce Salvador. These guys we played with there, unbelievable guys, treated you so well. And they, they helped us a lot to uh, succeed there as a team. Um, uh, great guys. Uh, nothing but respect for those guys. Um, you know, but, uh, uh, yeah. And then we had, a, we, had a, we had a pretty tough team there, too. So they didn't really have to fight too much. I think Jamal Mayer's gotten one fight. Um, I fought everybody. Um, I think we had another guy there, Frank uh, Reed. Uh, no, was it Reed? Reed was there, too. He fought a couple times. I can't remember. I can't remember his first name, but yeah, uh, good times, good times. Killer Kaminsky, you know, another great guy, another another battler. Um, oh, I was just know, looking. I totally forgot to write this one down. You guys had Quentin Van Horlick there too. Quentin Van Horlick, uh, yeah, rest in peace. Uh, amazing, amazing dude that guy was. I hung out with him a lot. That guy would give you the shirt off his back. That guy would do anything for you. He would do anything for anybody. Someone stranded on the side of the road. Quentin Ben Orlick, um, you know, amazing, amazing uh, young man and uh, uh, gone too soon. You know, lo- I love the guy. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that lockout year, 0405, and people would know this with the last interview I did when I, I interviewed the GM of this team, and they're the infamous bad boys of hockey and they came into the league and took it by storm that year and I got to know what it was like playing against them was the Danbury Trashers you know how was it playing against them oh my gosh what a nightmare that was (laughs) (laughs) nightmare I'm not even kidding that arena those fans were on top of you in your ear chanting your name chanting slogans putting you down telling you your shit, go back. Oh, they threw shit at you. And the owner in his press box up there, <laughs> reaching down and, and, and yelling at you. But at the same time, he wanted me on his team. He would call me. He would reach out to me. We need you, we need you to come to Danbury. And I almost went there that one year. The year that uh, the year they traded me to, uh, to uh, Missouri, um, uh, was it that year or the year after? I can't remember. My wife was pregnant with one of my kids. I, I, I can't remember, but it'll probably come to me. But, yeah, uh, nightmare, nightmare. They had a tough team, boy. Holy shit. Going in there, you know it's fight night. You, you, every night, they didn't give a shit where or where what was going on. They didn't give a shit what the score was. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. But I loved it. I, I, I loved it. And I stirred the pot because I played one way. I think I who did I fought uh, Burnett. Uh, oh, you Craig, fought you Craig fought Jared Burnett, hey? Yeah, Jared Burnett. Holy Christ, he was a big monster. Um, I fought a bunch of guys there. I can't even remember. Oh, like they I had said, the, well the fuck the list is endless. They had Roman Ender, uh, Stephen Pete, John oh, Morasti, yeah, Bile Lewis. Oh yeah, what the, was it like fighting the, him, man? Nigerian nightmare. Yep, the Nigerian nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, the list goes on. Like I don't know. That owner, crazy. Um, it was a great. That place was packed. Great for the community. Uh, you know, bad things happened there. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I like the guy. He never steered me wrong. He wanted me a part of the, uh, the gong show, and I was a gong show when I got there. Uh, <laughs> that place turned into a gong show. Um, if you didn't turn into a gong show, um, you're, you're leaving with your tail between the legs. Uh, they would eat you alive. If you didn't show that you were willing to battle each day, uh, you wouldn't survive in that arena. You, you just wouldn't. So, uh, you know, I was a battler, and I didn't put up with any shit from anybody. I played the game the right way. I played the game hard. I'd hit them. I'd fight them. I'd fucking get in their face. I didn't care. I did not care. But if you show, if you showed weakness, uh, they would eat you alive and, 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 and chew you up and spit you out. Oh, for sure. And I, you know, I interviewed AJ Galante, the, the GM, you know, of course at the time he was 18, um, <laughs> was but oh yeah, yeah, talking about it all. And did you ever experience Hell's Horn? There was a guy there and it was his, I think they called him Big Mike or something. And he would bring in like this, it was like off of a fire truck and it was this loud ass yeah. horn that they would play during fights. And it was, it's so <laughs> fucking loud. Like I tell my, like I was, uh, I made oh, a video. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I made a video for it and I tell my buddies uh, before I send it to them, I'm like, listen, turn your volume down because this is going to blow your fucking speakers out. Like if you're in the car or some yeah. shit, just absolute mayhem in that arena. You're right to say the least. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, man. Words can't even describe You know what? Loyal fans, asshole fans, but loyal. And they would have loved me if I was there. But they hated you because you're on the other team. Oh, exactly. You it know? didn't matter. Um, yeah, didn't matter. Oh, Christ. I, you know what? I I don't, uh, you know, I, I love not having to go there right now. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, me and uh, my buddy Darren over at Fourth Line Voice, and I know he's listening, but, yeah, we've always bullshitted back and forth. And if that was, oh, if we could run any hockey team, that's exactly how we'd fucking do it. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. All those fans are all the old New Haven Knights fans. Yep. Right, yep. all the New Haven Knights fans will come up to the Danbury because New Haven Knights were gone. So even before those Danbury days, we went through some hell in New Haven, and I fucking caused them shit in New Haven. I fought Homer and Boone and all these guys, and I I beat up a lot of guys in that building. They hated me. They hated me. There was guys that sat beside our bench in New Haven before the game. Before that, they would let the fans in. We would go and put Vaseline and sticky shit on these assholes' feet before the game started, and they would get in and sit in their seats. They would taunt us. They, they did some bad shit. They did some really, really bad, some racial shit. Some bad, we didn't like it. It went, it, went, it went over the top sometimes, some of those fans. I don't know them, so I can talk about them. I don't know names. I'm not going to say names. They did some bad shit in New Haven there, those fans. So we got them back as best we could. We would shoot fucking pucks in warm-up deliberately over the glass to try and hit them. Flick pucks up over the glass, fucking swear at them, give it to them coming off. We didn't gauge because that's how bad they were because we wanted to let them know that we're going to give it to them any chance we get. It was a nightmare there. Those fans now moved up to Danbury, but I I remember. We'd smear orange, I mean, uh, 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 bananas into their seat because they'd have to sit in them. And they'd sit in them and their asses would be wet and sticky. They'd stick to the seats. There'd be Vaseline all over them. We'd just do any little stupid thing to get them riled up because, you know, they, they were all over us. I hated those bastards. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Minor league hockey fans are just the most ruthless fans out there anyway. And, of course, you know, once the racial card is played, all bets are off and you can do pretty much whatever the fuck you want to them at that point, I say. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. That um, was crazy, you know. The next year, was, well, actually, was, I take that back. The same year, so you end up in Quad City. Uh, and actually, that's the team I grew up watching. I grew, I grew up in the Quad Cities um, and would go back there every winter Once I, after I moved down to Florida. But I'd go back every winter yeah. to go watch them. But you actually played there. You know, How did you enjoy your time in Quad City? I know you only played 14 games there, at least in the regular season. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't really connect with people there. I didn't really like it. Um, my wife was pregnant at the time, and we lost that baby. We had a miscarriage, I believe. Yes, a miscarriage we got moved to. We got moved from there to Muskegon, but we'll talk about that after. But um, Quad City, uh, I don't know. Not too much to say about there. You know, we had a good playoff run there. Um, you know, Brian Kern was the coach. He was a fucking douchebag. Uh, I didn't see eye to eye with him. I, I don't know what happened there. He thought, he heard through the grapevine that I was talking to Danbury owner, and they were trying to get me to go there. And I was trying to get traded to there. So we're in the playoffs that year, and we get beat out in game seven in Danbury. I'm playing for Quad City. Brian Kern's the coach. And after the game, we're on the bus on the way to the airport to fly back. And this fucking asshole has the has the has the balls to come to the back. We're boozing. We're we're on we're we're fucking hammered because we stayed overnight. So we got the bus to go back to the airport. No one slept. We stayed overnight. We're not even in the hotel. We get on the bus to go back to the airport. He comes back. Everybody's drinking still. The year's over. And he has the audacity. He comes up to me and says, you fucking threw that series. You wanted to go to Danbury. You didn't play your heart out. And I said, how fucking dare you? I fucking gave my life to this game. I would never throw a I would never be like that. I played my bag off for you guys. I played my fucking heart out for this team. I would never throw that. You think he thought the owner paid me off? In the fucking handshake at the end of the series. Can you believe that? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I said, get the fuck out of my face. I am done with this. Get out of my face. I said, you're wrong. And we'll fucking talk about this later. We've been drinking all night. Like, I mean, all night. We've been drinking with their teammates. We've been drinking with their team, their coaching staff, everybody all night. And he was in the bar drinking with us. Years over. I said, how fucking dare you? The players had to step in between us on the bus heading back to the – and we later on, we ended up at the team barbecue after the end of the year. We kind of went to the side. We chatted. I apologized for calling him names, and he apologized for confronting me. And I was really – I would never do that. And, and, and we talked. We had a good talk. He said sorry. He believed me. We, we, we had a cheers, and, you know, on we went. And I've never, ever talked to that guy again in my life. You know what? He was a tough son of a bitch, played in the NHL, but I don't give a shit. I would have fought him right there on that fucking bus because that's the type of guy I was. He called me out in front of my players, and that was fucking a bullshit move. But you know what? We got over it. Let bygones be bygones. I, I don't hold it over his head. Uh, you know what? It, it's over, and I'm done with it. If I see him today, I would go up and shake his hand and uh, – and say, you know, hey, whatever, but uh, do speak type of thing that, that needs to happen, and it didn't have to happen. 
Yeah, unfortunately, that that time in Quad City, it's funny because everybody who played there kind of pre like 2003 ish, everybody loved it. Then as soon as Brian Kern came in and I, th- I want to say ownership was changing at that time too. Quad City, that was kind of the downfall of Quad City hockey, at least in the UHL, and of course the UHL only lasted yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, it was yeah. on its way out. It was, you know, there was some ups and downs there. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't very good. And you know, I was making some good, pretty good damn money there. Uh, so you know, I think that had it to do with it as well to kind of move me out and move my contract out. They brought other guys in. I, you know, what I, I didn't have a very good time there. My wife didn't like it there either. So right. Know. But I don't have anything bad to say about the place. Just, you know, just didn't have a good time. They're one of those cities. For sure, and of course, it's oh man, when when the hockey was good there, that city. I mean, they would pack that barn uh, down there at the mark all the time. Um, I even caught a game not oh, too yeah. long ago as over. A visitor, oh yeah, as a visitor, I battled with a lot of guys. I, I fought a lot of guys there. Um, you know, uh, we can go through the list. I'm not even sure. I can't remember names of some of the guys, but yeah, they, they bat, we battled a lot. What a small arena, and those fans on top of you as you're going out through the tunnel there, but. Great fan support, great, great, great hockey. It was a great hockey community. Um, um, yeah, nothing, nothing bad to say about the place. I just, it just didn't take to me. Right. Um, well, a couple got before going on to the next season. A couple guys that you fought uh, were one of them was Ken Fells. What was it like fighting him? Oh, a tough guy. Uh, that was a good fight. Really good fight. I felt it. You, you feel it when he hits you. You really do. It was uh, a good fight. Really good fight. I didn't know the guy played against the guy for a couple of years. We never fought. We fought when I was in uh, Quad City there. I, I tried to, you know, get the guys going. And uh, it was just, it was a good fight. Good fight. I don't really know the guy. Um, I don't really know where he went with his career. But uh, but you felt it when that guy hit you. For sure. Um, and another guy that you fought, and he went on to play in the Quebec League, but was Cody Doucette. Do you remember fighting him? Cody Doucette. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of guys, <laughs> you know. Um, a lot of guys. It's probably been hit too many times. In the head <laughs> well, I'm, well, if you fight as much as you have, I'm sure they all blend together at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. There's, you know, but uh, I'm sure a pretty tough customer if you're talking about him. So. Right. So, well, the 06, 07 season, you 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 land in Elmira, and this is kind of like your second home now. Um, you know, people seem to take to you pretty well there in Elmira and enjoyed having you on the team. But your coach is actually Chris Waltz this year. What was it like playing under Waltz? <laughs> Waltzy. <laughs> nice guy. Uh, too nice of a guy, I think. He didn't last too long coaching there. Robbie Nichols came in and took over. I, I think Waltzy stuck around. Uh, it was, you know, it was Robbie's buddy. Love, love, love Waltzy. Uh, his wife and my wife still connect to this day. Great people. Wasn't a very good coach. I think the group that we had there was pretty hard on him and didn't say very good things about him behind his back, I think. But I'm not going to name it. You know what? It is what it is. Some guys find their niche. Some guys find their way. I don't think he just found his way there just from the group that he had there. I like Walty. Um, you know, I played a lot there. Um, he played me a lot. Um, you know, Robbie Nichols loved me. Uh, Robbie Nichols, another uh, great uh, uh, guy. Like, shit, me, me and Robbie go way back. Uh, he still tries to bring me in for weekend games. 
uh, in Elmira. But uh, Waltzy, great guy. Just what I think he was just too nice of a guy. Right. So you and know, a tough and a tough guy. <laughs> of course, naturally, yeah. He well, fuck. I want to say going back, he led the. I think WHO or not led the WHO, but I know he he was up there in PIMS one year in one of the leagues, whether it was the UHO, or the uh, the WHO, or excuse me, WPHL. Um, but a couple fights I got to ask you about. The first one, and of course this guy's infamous. If anybody out there has seen the old UHL mic'd up video, and he ended up fighting him, but it's uh fucking Willie uh, from the uh, the mic'd up for the UHL video, Tyler Willis. What was it like fighting him? And I know Curtis Tyler Tidball. Tyler Willis. Yeah, well, Tidball was like saying some stuff I, okay. to him beforehand. Okay, this this guy. I talked to this guy for this day. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, and he'll probably tell you. I beat this guy up almost every time I fought him. And don't get me wrong. This guy has fought everybody. He is a tough son of a bitch. He's a, a smaller guy. He's a tough son of a bitch. He fights everybody. And he will fight anybody in a dump bed anytime. We've had a couple draws. He never, ever got the best of me. But I hurt him a couple times. I think I broke his orbital once. Um put him out for the playoffs. I think it was right before playoffs. Nothing bad to say about the guy. He was just battling on ice. And I was a fighter. He was a fighter. I played. He played. He played a regular shift, too. Absolutely. Leatherface. Leatherface. <laughs> he fought everybody. He played in the American League and fought guys. He played for the St. Louis. I don't think he played in the NHL, but he went to St. Louis Blues camp. He fought a lot of tough guys. If I'm not mistaken, I think he fought Kelly Chase in, in in the NHL camp or America. I'm not sure. I could be wrong, but I think I heard that. But he fought some tough guys, a lot of tough guys. And I fought this fucking guy at least 10 times. I don't know. And there's a couple fights on YouTube that I really heard him a couple times. But he kept coming back and kept coming back. But nothing bad to say about the guy. Nothing but respect for the guy. Willing combatant all the time. If our team was down and I need a spark, he would fight me. If his team was down, need a spark, I respect, I would fight him. It's just the way it was. Great guy. And we've got a few beers together in the bar after the game. Like, that's what it was about back then. There, there wasn't a lot of, I'm sure there was some hatred, but all the boys went to the same bars. You're staying overnight in the same town. You go to the same fucking bars. You're, you're not going to go to some loser bar. You're going to the bars where the guys go. So you have beers with the guys after. So, And and he was one of them. You know, great guy. Great guy. Nothing bad to say about the guy. Tough, tough, tough guy. Oh, yeah. Fucking Willie. Oh, man. Jason Roth just wanted to kill him in that video. That's I love that video. That's probably one of the best <laughs> minor league videos I've ever seen. Just yeah. wanted to kill yeah. Willis. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple teammates he had though on that Elmira team, and both of them have actually been on the podcast. But was uh, actually in that in that Willis video, he's almost doing like a chicken dance or something at him in the beginning. But Curtis Tidball, what was it like having him as a teammate uh, that year? Curtis Tidball, Jesus! So he tried to fight Willis in that fight, and me and him have already said we're going. I think prior to that fight in the game, I ran their goalie. And Willis wanted to fight me for a few shifts. I said, you know what? Fuck it. Yep, let's go. We're going to do it. And, but but, but uh, Tidball wanted to fight him. 
because Tim Bowen didn't want him to fight me. Tim Bowen wanted to fight him because I was playing and whatever. So I'm like, no, I, I got him, Tizzy. I got him. Tizzy, I think, is slapping him in the fucking face with his stick in that fight. <laughs> you can see on, on, on YouTube there. Tim Bowen slapped him in the face with a stick and he will just turn his head. And then me and Willis fight, and, and, and it was a bad one. I think I destroyed him pretty good there. But uh, Tidball, he's a character, boy. He would fucking shadow box. He, he'd punch his knuckles against the brick wall. He had tattoos. He was your ultimate fucking... Uh, he went in that ultimate fighting challenge, too, on, uh, I think, as well. Um, I still talk to him to this day. What a nice guy, though, off the ice. When he goes on the ice, he fucking flips a switch, man. Oh, and he yeah. was one of those jackhammer, jackhammer punch fighters. It would just be quick, 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 hard, 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 fight, like punch, 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 punch. And he was Jack. He was full of muscle and Jack, and and, and an all around nice guy off the ice. Uh, he got along with my kids really well. Uh, got along with my wife. Uh, he hung around with me and my family. My my kids loved the guy. Um, what a nice guy off the ice, but he turned that switch. Uh, great guy. Oh yeah, and he did it for years out in the Quebec League, and it's insane for how oh, long he fought. Absolutely insane. Fights a year out there, so like shit. Well, I, you know, I had a buddy ask me to, uh, you know, he, I ask people all the time uh, whenever I'm doing interviews, any questions they have, and you know, did you ever get any offers from the Quebec League to go play up there in the LNH? Where uh, all the time. <laughs> I figured all the have, time. We would have their players come down and spend a couple nights. They'd have a, a night off or a weekend off or a couple nights through the week off because they only played on weekends or something up there. So if we had a weeknight game, they would come down and watch our games with their GMs and owners. And their owners and GMs would, you know, would take us out for drinks. And, you know, Ravi and those guys would come down and watch our games because it was the toughest week next to them. Like, our league was tough. United Hockey League, I don't care what anybody says, but toughest fucking league. Those guys up in the LNH was a different story. It was a different kind of league. Those guys were tough. But as far as pro, that's why those guys would come down. And being in Adirondack, uh, we were the closest to Quebec. So it was only a two-and-a-half-hour drive up to the city, up to uh, Quebec, and uh, the Chiefs. Those guys would always come down and try to lure us up there for money and money. Huge money on it. I'm talking, like, it was fucking 500 a fight and, and, and 1,000 a game. And it was fucking crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So I got my calls to go there. But I was still, I still wanted to play in the NHL. I still wanted to play in the American League. I still want, you know, I got my call-ups to Rochester and, and Syracuse, I, I mean, uh, uh, a couple different places, uh, Springfield, Cleveland, and, and I was still getting my call-ups then. So, uh, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go, and you know, I, I, I didn't want to go up there and do that and face that. I didn't think I was ready in my part of my career. I didn't think I could do that. I still wanted to chase the NHL dream. Right, and that's respectable, of course. Um... Yeah, the old Quebec League, insane. I love that league just because it knew what it was at the time, and it was 
it, it was the only league like it. You won't ever see anything like that again. But like you said, the UHL, man, that they had some tough cats in that league, and it was I love the UHL. It's actually that's my favorite hockey league of all time, and I'm probably biased because I grew up watching it a little bit. But um, as far as minor leagues go, I think that was probably the best one out there. Um, and so the next guy that you know was he was on your team just a little bit, but I'm sure you know more so from the league. And I want to say he led or he was one of the penalty minute leaders. And I had him on the podcast a while ago, and he's been on Spit and Chicklets. But it was uh, old Mike the Real Segroy. What was it like playing or uh, playing against Mike Segroy? Wow. So I played against him and I played with him. Uh, I, I, again, uh, so a lot of people see these tough guys as. You know, these big, badass tough guys, they are on the ice and off the ice, and they're in the gym. And But we're all genuinely good guys. Another good, genuine guy would give you the shirt off his back is Segroy. I still talk to him to this day. He's doing great things down in Florida with his hockey school, uh, teaching kids the fundamentals of the game, getting kids to play hockey down there, trying to grow the game, the game down in Florida. All-around nice guy and one of the toughest guys I've played with. Oh, for sure, and it's insane. You know, I, I love that he was in the uh, the black and blue battle of the hockey enforcers competition and everything like yep. that up there in Prince George. Amazing, um, amazing, yeah. Oh yeah, you'll never you'll never see anything like that again either. I, I know, well, they did one in Finland a while back. I think it was 2011, but yeah, never see anything like that again. But um, <laughs> another guy you fought that year, and I, I love the you know, the minor league-esque of the, always having different sweaters for different holidays and stuff. And you fought him while you're wearing, like, the uh, Elmira Christmas uh, sweater jersey. But it was uh, Pascal Morenci. And, yeah, I, I want to say you kind of wiped the floor with him. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a history there. There's a big history there. So, me and Pascal Morenci. Okay. So, I was in... Adirond- no, I was in Elmira. No, sorry. I was in Adirondack, and Pascal was playing for Pascal was playing for Flint at the time. And he cheek-shotted me. Okay? Uh, blindsided me, knocked me off my ass, dazed me a little bit. Never got a chance to get back at him and fight him. I just, and I told him, I said, you little bastard, I'm going to get you back. And I said, I, I'll never forget it. So um, I, was, uh, I was called up to Cleveland, uh, played in Cleveland for four or five games in the American League. And uh, I, I, I want to get my chance to, to uh, I think I was playing for Elmira when I got called up for Cleveland. I can't remember. Shit, I got to really look at my stats. <laughs> anyway, I got called up to play for Cleveland. Our road trip was going to Flint. I remembered we're going to Flint. So I'm in Cleveland. Uh, we had practice. We played a couple games. We went to Toronto, played a couple games, came home, unpacked our stuff, had an interview with the coach. Co- coach says, we're going to send you down. But your team is on the road. I'm like, yeah, I know. The team's on the road. And they're in Flint and Kalamazoo this weekend. The first fucking thing that went to my head, Morenci, Morenci. Fucking Morenci's in Flint. I get to get him back. Shit happens. Here we go. So I get sent down. I have to take a rental car to drive from Cleveland to Kalamazoo, where I meet up with the team. 
So we leave Kalamazoo. We leave Kalamazoo. I meet up with the team. We leave Kalamazoo. We go into Flint to play the night. You know, in warm-up, and I'm yelling at Morensky across the, uh, you know, in warm-up and said, it's fucking coming. It's fucking coming. <laughs> Remember? Remember me? It's fucking coming. His face was fully vaselined up. You couldn't even recognize who the guy was. Couple shifts go by, whatever, whatever. I didn't want to do it right away. I didn't want him to know it was coming. I'm fucking cheaping him. And this is, I, I don't do this. I don't cheat guys. I hardly ever in my career cheat guys unless they fucking deserved it. This kid deserved it. Trevor Sam wasn't in the lineup. He was up in the stands for some reason. I think he was suspended. Uh, doesn't matter either way, but we had a tough team, but. I'm yelling, it's coming. So I waited for him to come in the zone. Kind of, I think he dumped the puck in or he was back checking. He didn't even see me coming. I was on a line change. He didn't even know I was on the ice. I came across with a fucking elbow and cleaned his clock. It was out of the camera zone. The puck was already up the ice. I didn't, I didn't mean for this to happen out of the camera. It just so happened. I didn't get suspended from it. Because nobody fucking seen it. <laughs> I come right across the blue line. The play was already up at the other end. And I fucking elbowed him so hard. He was out. Stretch of time. Off the ice. Cleaned his clock. He didn't play the rest of the year. And didn't play in playoffs. I felt so bad. I'm not going to lie. I felt like the biggest douchebag. All I wanted to do was cheap him. But your adrenaline's going. You're like, this fucking asshole did the same thing to me as I was coming out of my zone across the blue line, elbowed me, lights out. I got up and skated off the ice. I didn't want to hurt him as bad as I did. Honestly, I'm not that player, but I did. The adrenaline was going, I fucking did it. I felt so bad. I didn't even get suspended. I played the next night. <laughs> I did that. I, I got kicked out of the game because it was a hit. But they didn't know what kind of hit it was, and there was no video to show what kind of hit it was, but they kicked me out of the game. But I played the next night in Kalamazoo after doing that. I, kicked, I hurt this guy so bad. I was so sorry for it, but whatever. So coming back to Elmira, Christmas jersey. Now Pascal Moretti's playing for Fort Wayne Comet. This is our third meeting. meeting. The first meeting... He knocked me out, cheap shot. I fucking cleaned his clock, knocked him out the rest of the year. Cheap shot. He wants to, he wants, he wants to settle the score. So we're like in warm-up. We're like, yep, tonight's tonight. And I'm like, yeah, fucking right. Let's settle it. Let's settle it. And I'm fucking ready to go. So right in front of our bench, we line up. And little like you, you can see this fight on YouTube as well, Morensi, Little John fight. And I get the best of him, and I fucking uh, I, I, near the end of the fight, I one punch him there, and he fucking he goes down, and I get the best of him. He's slow to get up. We get to the box. We're fixing our shit. He stands up, and he says, "Are we good?" I said, "Dude, as long as you don't fucking cheat me again, I'll fight you all night long. We'll keep going, but I'm good if you're good. But if you do something that I play, like, you know what I mean? Like I'm just chatting. I'm like, we're good if you're good, but it doesn't mean I'm not gonna fight you again. The cheap shot's over." I'm like, we're good if you're good. He's like, yeah, we're good. We're good. And I never fought him again. I think he went up. I think he played a few games in the American League. I'm not sure where he ends up after that. 
But he was a tough kid. He was a tough kid. That was a bad moment in my career when I did to him. I, if he's listening, I really apologize. I really apologize for that hit. I didn't want to do the damage I did when I did that. It was just the heat of the moment. It happened. I did it. I got him back. We settled the score as men. And to this day, we probably could go to the bar and have a beer together. That's just the way hockey is there. So that's the beautiful thing about hockey. But if he's listening, like I said, I didn't mean to do it like that. Well, there you go. You heard it first here, think- folks. <laughs> the uh, the little John and Marenzi feud that they had going on. <laughs> <laughs> he was a tough guy, though. Tough kid. Oh, for sure. Uh, well, see, you know, going on to the next year in Elmira, you're actually coached by Steve Martinson. How was it under uh, under Steve? Steve Martinson, uh, you know, an unbelievable tactical, technical, tough as nails coach. Um, my style of hockey kind of a coach. He's always had tough teams, winning tradition. Um, all his teams play on the edge. All his teams are tough, and he's an edgy coach on the edge type of a guy. He'll fucking chirp you as you're skating by. Uh, he was just in the moment. He was in the moment type of a coach. Very, very smart man. As you can see, he has a track record of championships. Steve Martinson, I don't know if he is or if he's close, the most winning pro coach ever. I know. Like, I, I want to you say you're, back, you're right on that. He's either, if he isn't, he's pretty close, I think. If he isn't, and I'm talking NHL down, I, I'm talking pro. If he isn't the most, he's got the most championships ever in pro hockey history. If he isn't, he's very close. Um, smart man. Smart, smart hockey man. His teams play the right way. In the new game today, his teams play the old way within the new rules. That's why he wins. And I have tried to fucking preach this to people and coaches. I'm no mastermind, but you have a man like Steve Martinson coaching in today's game. The way he played and the way it was played in the game years ago. In, within the new rules. Now, that is a big difference. He has big, strong, tough teams, skilled guys, tough guys. He builds a team. He builds a team, tough team, that wins. And you see it. Alex, he has a track record for winning. Mark, you know, call me an asshole. The game's changed. The game has changed. And, and, and it is for the better, I think, for the well-being of players, for the concussions, for, for the different way, the way the things are going for all the things that are going on in the world, uh, for the way the sports are changing, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about winning and losing, the way you coach the game, the way he's coaching the game. And, you know, I got nothing bad to say about the way guys coach. Everybody has their own philosophy. But Steve Martinson, I like his way of coaching. He coaches to win. He's a tough, team tough. You can't, nobody fights anymore. There's no fighting. I'm not talking about go out there and fight everybody. I'm talking about playing the game hard, going and blocking a shot, battling in the corner, being first to puck. He instills all that in these guys. That's the toughness of the game. Being first, battling in front of that. Don't be afraid to stand in front of that. 
Don't be afraid to finish your That's how Steve Martin coaches the new game today with his coaching philosophies and that. That's why he wins. So you can tell me I'm wrong, but that guy is the most winningest pro coach in all of history of pro, or if not the closest. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'll have to look at that, but I want to say you're right on that. And for sure, he will go down as one of the best coaches of all time. Um, Yeah. You know, I, I want to say, what is it called? I think it's the Road Hogs is what it was called, but it was the Ice Hogs documentary. Actually, it's what the little uh, Jason Ralph and Tyler Willis clip is from, but it's the full <laughs> documentary. But I, yeah. I know Steve Martinson is in there. Um, and they interview yeah. him a couple times, but absolute legend. Yeah. And so. It's a, he's a great guy. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a legend. He is a legend. Coaching legend. Great guy. He holds you accountable. I was his captain. I was the captain of that team, uh, but he held me to a standard. He held me accountable. He tried to make me a more defensive player. I didn't really like it. I didn't really like it. But me as a more defensive player helped his team win. And, and, and I did buy into it. I got an injury there at the end of that one year. Um, I didn't go back and play for him, I don't think. I think I played a year and a year. I can't remember. But he he made you work. Uh, he Nobody was above anybody in that dressing room. I was the captain. I was Frank Littlejohn. I was the fan favorite. But he still made me believe and brought me down to earth that you are still part of this hockey club. You are still a teammate to these other 20 guys in the dressing room. I am still your coach. You can do the fan thing. And you can fight everybody you want, but listen to me. I want to make you a better player. I want you to be better for our team. And, you know, we, we butted heads a little bit on a few different things, but the track record shows, you know, you got to trust these guys. You got to trust. He fucking wins. He wins with the old style of coaching within the new ways, to be, within the new rules, and he gets the most out of players. And I'm not talking about fighting anymore. I'm talking about like how I explained. He's a legend, man. He's a legend in the ways and what he does. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and I he... and I reach out to him. I coach. I coach, and I reach out to him today too. I reach out to Steve Martinson still to today on drills and tactics and what to do and how to recruit players because he's one of the best recruiters. You, you got to be a good recruiter to fucking to, to have teams like he does. Oh, for sure, yeah, and it's well. There's a reason, like you said, going on why he's one of the most winningest, if not the most winning coach in in hockey history. Yeah. Um. Well, so of course, gotta ask about this guy. You fought him this year in oh uh, seven oh eight, and of course, he's grown so much or so much more popular now after playing and with the Spit and Chicklets podcast, everything. But you actually fought him, and that's Paul Biz Nasty. You fought Bissonette. What was it like fighting him? It's nasty. So he he called me. Uh, well, we've talked a couple times off and on, and and we fought when I was in Elmira, and he was just a young younger kid. We're not far off age, but he's a few years younger than me. He's just coming up through the ranks. He's trying to find his game. He's trying to find out what kind of a player he is, and he's a chirper and all that stuff. And he's very good at it. And I respect the hell out of the guys what he's done in his career. He's made a name for himself. I respect it. I think I got the best of him in that fight. I've only fought him once. Uh, he didn't know who he was fighting, you know, and I didn't know who I was fighting at the time either. 
he was pretty much a nobody. I'm really a nobody. I'm in the minors. He he went on to be Biz Nasty and Fit and Chicklets and and amazing. And I and I give him such kudos for that. He has had an unbelievable career. He had a pretty good career in the NHL. He did a role that not everybody likes to do. And then he went on with his with a character type of guy. He is just like how I am. And he also built himself a life after hockey with with his career. And and again, I praise him for that. A great job. But on that interview with Brandon Walsh, he calls me some native guy from Saskatchewan fighting as a teenager in the, in the woods. I'm not a native guy from Saskatchewan, and I wasn't in the woods fighting as a teenager, but, you know, I'm just a guy from Canada, from, from Oshawa, Ontario, a top kid. I got in a lot of fights as, as a kid. Um, I would stand up for myself and my and my buddies and my teammates, and and uh, I do have native background, yes, um, but, uh, but Biz, I'm not this crazy native little Indian kid from, from Saskatchewan, okay? I'm from, I'm from Oshawa, Ontario, buddy. But uh, he doesn't really know me, but we crossed paths a little bit. And, and, a, and a great little shout-out to Biz because uh, he remembered me. I was at the BioSteel camp with my little, my little ones, my son Lucas and Mason. I took them to see Connor McDavid as, as he was skating BioSteel camp, and you couldn't get anywhere near the guy. And I shot out, hey, Biz, Biz, uh, uh, yeah, come on over here. And he's like, Little John. I'm like, yeah, you know, we got talking. And uh, he said, hey, hey, wait here. He went over. He grabbed Connor McDavid. He physically brought him over to us. And my kids made my kids day. And, and I'll never forget that, Biz. I really appreciate that, what you did for, for my kids. And that kind of stuff goes a long way. That's why he's that character guy. You know, Connor McDavid really wasn't you know, getting in, in, in the mix of and, and all the fans, and they were bugging him. And, and I get it. I've been there. You know, not at the level he was at, but at the minor league level. But it's the same kind of thing. And I'll never forget Ben. Thank you if you listen. You know, he did that for my kids. And, and what a great thing he's doing for the game and, and, you know, the charities and all that kind of stuff they got they got going on. And, um, you know, and thanks again, Ben, for the shout-out that, that, I, that I got the best of you back when. So, <laughs> for sure and yeah it's crazy to see how how far he's come after you know playing and yeah. becoming this big polarizing figure in the hockey world you know everybody knows biz nasty now right he's almost a household name at this point if you watch hockey um so that's really cool to see but yeah. the last guy i'll ask you about yeah. from that year you fought him and he big dude i know he fought in the ahl as well but was a big jimmy bonnie what was it like fighting him oh i only fought that guy once and i would have loved to fight him again but I never played against him again. He got called up, and I don't think he ever came back. Um, that that was the last game before our big bus crash on the way home. That was in Cincinnati, and he cleaned my clock. Not going to lie, cleaned my clock. Uh, I think I had a pretty good couple welts on my head, and he fucking cleaned my clock. I didn't even know what I was getting into. Um, I think I was too confident. I didn't really know what kind of fighter he was. I wanted a second chance. He cleaned my clock. Uh, and then that night, we get on the bus, traveling home back to Elmira, and uh, we get in that big bus crash. Put a couple of our players uh, end of their careers. Uh, I think the bus driver lost his legs or one leg. Holy shit. Uh, folded, our, folded our bus pretty much like an accordion. 
Um, we had a lot of big injuries. Uh, it, it was awful. A uh, really bad year for us there. That's insane. I never even knew about that. Yeah, yeah, that year. Uh, you can Google it, the Elmira, Elmira bus crash. Not a lot of people do. You know, it's in the minors, but it, it went across um, It went across hockey news and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, crazy, crazy. A couple kids got really hurt. Uh, uh, flown, uh, bus driver got flown out. A couple guys ended their careers, I think. So, uh, and, and, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty sad moment in our career, but a uh, bus driver fell fell asleep at the at the wheel and we collided with an 18 wheeler on the side of the highway going mock whatever and off into the you know it's kind of funny we were on the i-90 there and we were about maybe 100 or 200 yards from going off the bridge into the river it's, it's kind of wild and where we went off is we went off the highway we hit the we hit the transport which flung us off the highway and our bus went down a ridge into a forest and was in between two big trees. We didn't even hit the big tree. Like it could have folded our bus in half, could have done even more damage. I don't know, some kind of a miracle, man. But we ended up in a field just parked in between two. I don't know. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. And we spent the night in a hotel getting a new bus. And now, till this day, it's it's. I can't sleep on a bus. I cannot sleep on a bus. Every rumble strip I hear and every. It's crazy nightmares, but I don't really want to get into that. Let's let's get let's get back on track here. But yeah, yeah, it was oh, a rough yeah, patch sure. uh, well, there. But you yeah, know, glad Thanks. you're okay from that, eh? Yeah. Um, you Thank know, you. that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, you know, going on here, you know, oh eight oh nine, you end up with the Lumberjacks, and you're in kind of the new IHL. You know, how was that experience? You were actually coached by Bru- uh, excuse me, coached by Bruce Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, but interesting character. High intensity coach. Um, I, we didn't get along. We didn't get along. Um, I, I think we were alpha males. Uh, we, we we didn't get along. Um, nice guy, and I met up with him when I came back to play in Brampton Beast. Uh, he was coaching. Fuck, I can't remember what East Coast Green team he was coaching, but we met up and shook hands and. Me and Bruce Ramsey almost got into it a couple times. Um, you know, we almost got into it uh, when he traded me to, to Flint. We almost got into it. You know, I won't get into a lot of the shit that we, we got into there. But, you know, shit happened. And I just, it, that, that, that place just wasn't for me. You know, they had Robinson, which is, you know, fucking great all-time a minor league player with, with goal, with points, records, and, shit like that, you know, and, and, um, uh, what was the, the French guy there? Uh, uh, shit. Can't remember. The, the all-time goal leader at gold. Um, in Muskegon. In Muskegon. Oh, I wouldn't Robinson. know Muskegon. Yeah. In Muskegon. Sorry. Yeah. In Muskegon. He had Robin, Todd Robinson and, uh, yeah, he had Todd Robinson. But anyway, I, I wouldn't know it. Yeah, he was a goal scorer, but anyways, uh, he was a French kid. But, uh, you know, they ran the town there, and uh, I came in there, and, you know, I was a bit of a fan favorite, and I don't think they liked it. And I, I got nothing to say bad about those guys. We had our good times. We had our bad times. All hockey players, man. You go to one place to another, you follow the money. You follow the money. You follow the dream. You follow the money. You come in, you come in contact with good kids, bad guys, good guys, whatever. 
nothing bad to say about guys. You know, they were fucking amazing hockey players. And then I moved on to Flint, and, uh, you know, not really much to say about Muskegon. Great town, great fan support. I become a fan favorite there. They actually made T-shirts when I went back to Muskegon to play, and there was a whole section with T-shirts that said, uh, give us Little John or give us Death or something like that. And, <laughs> and I made a couple of guys, bring us Little John or bring us Death, and we love you, Little John, and stuff like that. And, and that was kind of fun. It was, it was fun. This is another stop along my journey. Absolutely. But Bruce Ramsey, a great guy, great guy, good coach. We just did the eye to eye. I've seen, uh, we've met up in years past, which we're probably going to do with Brampton, but, um, but yeah, so I move on to Flint. For sure. And, you know, kind of wrapping it up your career here, um, I got to ask you because he uh, tweeted at me, um, you know, asking me to ask you about this is, uh, you end up with the chill out in St. Charles, and you were coached by Jamie Rivers. He once said, he asked me, "How was it being coached by him?" <laughs> Jamie Rivers, if he's listening, how you doing, buddy? He wanted me to come out of retirement fully. I, I was retired, and, and Jamie Rivers, good guy. We, you know, like I would play for him. We go out for a couple beers. I ended up meeting him uh, through, uh, you know. Just, uh, just like, you know, obviously a hockey world, but I, I didn't really get to know him. I, I've only played for him a couple games, and then uh, he wanted me. I had my family here and my job here, and uh, and, and I, was, I, I was home. I, I was home. I was done playing pro hockey. He wanted me to move down there. They were going to pay me X amount of dollars for me to go to St. Charles and finish the season there with them. We had it all worked out. I was going to try and do it. I couldn't come to do it. My my kids were young at the time, and I was coaching here. I didn't want to back out on that. And I wanted to get back into play. So we had some good conversations. I said, Jamie, I said, I would love to play for you. You seem like a good guy. You know what's going on. You've got a good head on your shoulders. I think we have a good team here. I think we can put a pretty good product on the ice. I'd love to come play for you, but it never worked out. He, he let me go so Brampton can pick me up. And uh, I got a few tilts playing for Jamie there. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing fighting at that age? And I said, I said, Jamie, I said, I only play one way. If I can't play this way, I can't play. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to run and gun. I'm going to battle. I'm going to hit. I didn't play for two years. And I come in. We're in Brampton. So he calls me up. His team's from St. Charles, uh, Missouri. They're in Brampton. I get a phone call. And uh, and it's, are you in shape? Can you play? I'm like, what? what are you, wait, wait a minute. What, what's going on? And shit, he's going to kill me. Assistant coach, he's going to kill me because I should know the name. And we've just been talking about so many guys. And I really apologize. He knows what I'm talking about. A rollerblade guy from, rollerblade hockey player from, um, it, it'll probably come to me, but uh, JP Pilsen. Yep. JP calls me. And he was the assistant coach here with Jamie. And, and, and Jamie wasn't even on the bench at the time. I think he was back home. And JP was there coaching. So they call me. We work out a contract. I'm in Brampton. And I fight this guy from Brampton. Next thing you know, I get a call after the game from Jamie. What the hell are you doing? But I love it. Now you played. I think I got a goal, maybe an assist or something. I actually played well after not playing for a couple of years. And then they fly me down there or somewhere 
play a couple more games, and then I just I just can't do it. It's just it's too far. And then they trade me to or send me to Brampton. So, but great guy. But for the time I knew Jamie, shout out to Jamie. Good guy. Had a few beers, had a few laughs with him, shared a few stories. You know, obviously played the show. And uh, fuck, what a great guy. And you know, he did me a favor. He let me go to Brampton so I could finish the year at Brampton. It was closer. I could still play. And I would be just a, a game player on the weekends with Brampton. So, for sure, yeah, it's funny. Uh, River said we'd pull him. We pulled him out of retirement, and he fought in the very first game back. I believe he one punched the guy too. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I cleaned the guy's clock pretty good. And another young kid trying to make his game for himself, but he ran into a guy that knew how to fight both right and left, and I and I caught him off guard. Absolutely. Well, you know, after that that kind of stint with Brampton and uh, St. Charles, you know, you kind of come in and play onesies and twosies games. Is it just a love for the game that makes you come back and keep coming in for like, you know, uh, Port Huron or, you know, the old Elmira enforcers of the FHL? That's exactly it. You know, Alec, it's 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 just knowing yourself that you can still go back and play at that competitive level. You never you never lose it. And I, and I always say to guys, like, why aren't you playing men's league? Because they just can't. And I can't play men's league because you never lose that competitive edge. And I played men's league, and you dumb it down, but one fucking asshole slashes you, and you want to rip his fucking head off. Because those guys are playing at their top level, and you're playing against your real low level, just trying to have fun with your buddies. So that's why I always went back to play pro. I wanted to keep testing myself that I can play at that level. And I played a pretty good pickup league here to keep myself in shape, a respectable league. It's all ex-pro and junior guys, and, and, and there was no bullshit. So I was playing a good, pretty good league. I was on the ice teaching a lot. I was still on the ice, but I just wanted to play. So any call I got, I tried to make the best of it and go. Like in Brampton, had a bunch of calls. And I don't know, like, you probably know him, Kevin Harvey. Yep. Right? Top customer. You know, I get that call to Brampton, and, 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 and I hadn't played in how long. They fly me into Rapid City, and I'm 40 years old at the time. Kevin Harvey is the tough guy in the league. He's fought everybody. He's, he's played in the American League. And I've never fought him before, and I, my career's done. And he's kind of in the middle of his career, maybe winding down a bit. And I fly in the night before, and both coaches, I meet both coaches because they're buddies. Mark DeSantis, Brent Hughes is my coach in Brampton. Mark DeSantis is the coach in Rapid City. And we kind of plan this at the bar the night before. Mark goes, we have a fucking sold-out crowd here in Rapid. I don't want to put you in a spot. We can find someone else to do it, but would you mind fighting Harvey right off the fucking drop of the bat tomorrow night? Get the crowd going. And me, I'm a fucking dumb idiot. You know, like I'm 40 <laughs> years old. I go, you know what, Mark? And we're having beers at the bar. And I'm like, you know what, Mark? Yeah, you're fucking right, I will. Because you know why? Mark, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for you because you got a sold out crowd. Harvey, whatever, he's a, he's a gamer. He's going to do this. He probably doesn't even know about this yet. I said, Mark, I'm going to do this for you because you know why? We have the first game of three tomorrow night in your barn. 
I'm doing this for me and my teammates. We go on. So I fight Harvey. You can see that on YouTube. Great bout. Back and forth. He hits me with a couple of because I hit him. Great fucking fight. Tough customer. Nothing but respect for Harvey. He had nothing but the respect for me. But it was a premeditated fight. We went all out. We did it for them, but I did it for me because we went on to uh, win three of three in Rapid City. We won all three games because I made my team bigger, tougher. They go that extra mile for you. There was another fight after that, maybe another couple of fights after that, and not another fight the last two games because it was just hockey, and we played and we beat them three games. That's why I play the game. That's why I do this, and that's why it is for the love of the game. And that's why I still play the way I play. That's a good example right there. And that is the respect fighters have for each other. You come, you go, you fight everybody, you win some, you lose some. And it's for moments like that, that we win three and three because, you know, they thought that we were doing a favor for them. They did a big favor for us as we won three and three as I fought the toughest guy in the league there. Absolutely, man. Well, I just got two more questions to ask you, and it's funny, people out there, you can go uh, watch that fight versus Harvey on YouTube, but it's, it's out there somewhere. I forget who exactly posted it, but it's definitely out there. You can go watch it, and it's a great fight. Um, but I just got two more questions to ask you, man. I know I've kept you long enough. We're going on an hour 40 here, um, and I know my buddy yeah. Jay out in Iowa is listening, and he, he actually wants to know, is there any chance that you come back and play pro again just for a couple games? We're big Quad City Storm fans, so we're hoping maybe we'll entice you to get out to Quad City again. You know what? I, I, I would love to say 100%. And you know what? I, I, I still might. I, I would love to. I, I would love to. I, I, I think I still would. Right now with my business, the pandemic's going on, all this crap going on, um, I'm struggling right now with my business. I kind of got to man it myself. Um, you know, I almost lost my business here during this. But uh, we're trying to get it back up on the ground, off its ground, uh, on its feet again as hockey here across the world has kind of come to a halt. So I'm really struggling right now trying to keep my business afloat. But once my business gets back up, we get those vaccines going, hockey gets back on its feet, we get fans back in the building. Uh, if I'm 44, 45, I'm, I still kind of keep in shape. I'm going to say yes, guys. I'm going to say yes. I want to go down and play another weekend here and there. I, I want to do it. Um, I did a stint last year in Elmira for Robbie Nichols. I agreed to play one weekend for a publicity thing. I didn't want to break his heart after we already did a press conference. I had a high ankle sprain from a men's league game I was playing. <laughs> I hurt my ankle. I couldn't come to myself to say, Robbie, I can't come because I can't play. I taped it and froze it as much as I could. I played like fucking shit. I hated myself for it. But I did it. I couldn't tell Robbie. I couldn't do it. I just wanted to come down and play. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play. So from there, I didn't want to end like that. I want to end on a good field weekend where I produced. I helped the team play. I helped the team win. I would have been in better shape. But, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens in a year from now or six months from now. You never know. You never know what that call can be. Absolutely. Well, those men's leagues, those men's league game will get you there. They've gotten me plenty of times. My fat ass, I'll go down like a free beer at a frat party at the uh, the old men's league. <laughs> but uh, you know, hey, Quad City, Quad City's arms are always open. Looking for Frank Little John's return to Quad City. You haven't been there since what oh five oh six eh? <laughs> oh, that'd be 
That'd be, that'd be amazing, but uh, yeah, you never know. Who, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Fucking right. That'd be great. It. Yeah, for uh, sure. Well, the one last question I'll ask you, man, and that is, I like to ask this at the very end of every podcast, is if you had to do it all over again the exact same way, would you do it? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I wouldn't change it for the world. I love the career I did. I love the game. I love the people we met. I even I, I even love the people I hate. Like That all came together, and that's what makes your career. If there's anything I can say to these kids, do it. Keep doing it for as long as you can. You know, like, that's what I tell my kids. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But if you're going to do it and love it and keep doing it, because once it's over, you're going to kick yourself in the ass for not doing it. So you're damn right I'd do it all over again. That's awesome, man. And real quick before I let you go, uh, what's the name of your business? Like you said, I know you're struggling with COVID and it's these crazy times. So just in case people are listening in that Oshawa area or wherever you might be, uh, Uh, what's the name of your business, man? My name, uh, the name of my business is Superior Edge Skate Care and Apparel, and it's in Bowmanville, Ontario, Canada. So Superior Edge, look it up. Um, give us a shout out or whatever, but uh, I really appreciate the support, and uh, um, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Absolutely, man. Thanks again for coming on. There you go, folks. Frank Little John. And so definitely go support his business if you're in that area. Uh, you know, help out a pro hockey player. He kind of knows what he's doing, I'd say, you know, playing this many years pro. Yeah. Um, but what a treat it's been having you on, man. Frank, thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time. Cheers. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You got to fight for your right.